So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get stoned and enjoy Manhattan Henge by myself. And I was like feeling it and the light was so gorgeous and it was amazing. And then I literally was like feeling good. And then I took three steps and no joke, there was a piece of a cardboard box on the sidewalk, like flat, with a giant dead pigeon on it. Sure. And then in spray paint on the wall, 666, the sign of <laughs> the death. <laughs> Okay, don't be mad at me. What? What would I be like, mad at you for? Well, not mad. But with all the kerfuffle. First of all, happy birthday. Thank you. Guys, it's Casey's birthday. <laughs> In case you didn't know, I'm telling you now. It was yesterday, if you're listening today. If right. you're here with us right now, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> but you're a spy. The, and then it is. The first person to wish me happy birthday was um, the ma- the security agent at the gate at the airport last night. He was very stone-faced. He looked at my ID. He made me pull my mask down. And then I moved on to, like, the TSA scanning portion. And then he just called after in his stone-faced voice, happy birthday tomorrow, by the way. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. I but love him. Also, Thanks. But Thanks. He didn't, he didn't waste... A smile on me, but I appreciated the birthday greeting. He couldn't be bothered. And then the second person to wish me happy birthday was Tina Fey texted me this morning very early, and that made my day already. Wow. That's nice. Wait, when is her show in Atlantic City? I wanted to go to it. Oh, that's a good question. I need to look. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing with my traveling. I'm like a mess. I'm a mess. I'm you're a just, mess. You're a mess. It's Gemini season. It is Gemini season, the season that we're in. There's a full <laughs> moon this week. Yeah. Okay, what, this is what I was going to say. Guys, we started the podcast with our interview of today's guest, Samantha Irby, the author, extraordinaire writer. Um, she's written television as well. Uh, her new book just came out, which, what, wait, what's her new book called? I'm blanking right Her now. new book is called Quietly Hostile. Oh, right. Quietly Hostile, um, which I, it's already a bestseller. If you don't have it, it's a perfect book to pick up for the summer reading season. Yes. Um, and it's also in paperback, so it travels easily. Anyway, but before, like, so we did the interview first, and then now we're doing this part of the podcast and we'll put the interview later. And we'll put the interview later as we do. But I had to tell Casey that there was like a whole kerfuffle when we first started of b- before Samantha got on yeah. of sound issues on your end because of, I think, just getting your stuff back set up yeah. post-travel. Yeah. I forgot to hit record until like halfway through my Samantha interview. Well, we'll do okay. It'll be okay. all right. I won't I'm be mad at you for that. It happens. I know, but I just like... It was just because I got kerfuffled and then she was on and yeah. then I just, I thought it was recording and then it, and then at some point during the interview, I looked over and I was like, oh shit. And I didn't even want to interrupt the flow. So we didn't even bring it up. I just was like, I'm going to yeah. keep going. Yeah. Understood. Josh is a wizard. 
he will make it sound as good as it can sound. But also, here's what I know about our podcast listeners, because we have apologized for the sound quality of uh, things that we've put out a number of times because something happened, a track got destroyed, or we forgot to hit record, or like batteries died or something. Um, And people... They just care what the words are. They don't really seem to care too much what the quality of the sound is. If it's listenable, they're very tolerant and gracious. Well, then let me tell you something, guys. You're going to love today's pod interview because Samantha Irby gave one of the most listenable interviews we've had in a long time. (laughs) She's so delightful. I just love her so much. I've known her a long time as like an internet friend and she's friends with a lot of friends that I have. And uh, I said this in the interview, but I just cheer for her so much because every success she has, I feel like is so well-deserved and, uh, and she just makes me laugh. There's like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to, try to embroider it than saying she just makes me laugh consistently. She's fantastic. I feel like this is a moment in time. I feel like this is a crazy, I'm going to skip back to us and our lives because we're getting, (laughs) we'll get to Samantha in a little bit, but like, can you see, I feel crazy. (laughs) What's like happening I ch- with your little brain? Like, <sighs> Birdie graduates from eighth grade this week. It's a lot. It's a big deal. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I wasn't even playing. This is not, I feel great. I'm not hormonally going to cry because, um, you know, you know me, ovulating midside, like full moon ovulation. Right. That's the kind of cycle I'm on. But, um. Birdie's graduating from eighth grade this week. Mm. I have been trying really hard to not. I've been saying to people when we talk about the boarding school thing and like, and it's the same thing with like waiting for test results for medical things where I'm like, there's no sense in me projecting what it's going to be or what it's going to feel like because right. how do I know until till I'm in that moment? And so to spend any amount of time pre-grieving a thing that I don't know how it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel in the moment seems like a not great use of my energies. But I realized the other night that I don't know how I'm going to do this at all. Yeah. You won't. (laughs) You won't know how you're going to do it until you're doing it. (laughs) So I think you're, you have a good point about, and I know you're not grieving um, necessarily. I don't think, I think you're just, change you know it's a big change and I think anyone who has had a kid graduate from anything or go off to anything knows this feeling so well and it's not necessarily grief it's just it's growth actually it's why do you say things that should just be on (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts 
<laughs> it's, but it does feel a little bit like grief, you know, because it's, it's so hard, right? Like I always say about, well, I say about Matt, like he's known me since I was 18 and I've been like seven different women since he's known me. And he has loved every single woman that I have been. He's been like, it is nice to meet you. I am into you. I love what you're doing. I love what you're about right now. And I think it's the same for parents, you know? It's hard, it's hard to it's hard to watch your kid turn into this new person that they're gonna be for this period of time. I mean, I told you about, I'm sure I shared on this podcast, like when we were moved to the West Coast and Eli stayed back on the East Coast for college and he came to visit us and I had like a meltdown because I didn't recognize his shoes. Like he had bought those shoes and himself and I wasn't consulted in any way. Like, and it's not that deep, it's just shoes, you know? But it was for me because, like, I just had never seen them and they had been worn and I didn't, you know, he obviously didn't need me to help him pay for his shoes. He's a grown-up. But, like, you know, back when we lived on the East Coast, he would have been like, oh, do you like my new shoes? Or what do you think about me getting these shoes? Are they cool shoes, you know? But in a way, it, like, signified something so huge for me. Like, he's a guy who has these shoes now and I don't even know a fucking thing about it. My mom has this thing that I guess I said to her when I was in my early 20s. She like said, oh, we were talking about something. I was going to something or whatever. And she's like, why don't you wear blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mom, you don't even know my closet anymore. Oh, that must have killed her. Well, we say it to each other a lot now, you know, (laughs) like it's like a thing that we've said over the years. Like, but I guess that is I don't know. I also, (laughs) so it's amazing how all, how being a human is so ordinary. Like you ever, like everybody has the same experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet, when you're in it, you feel so extraordinary and you feel like you're the only person. And and I literally was about to say a thing that is so insane where I was like, (laughs) I just feel like I'm closer with Birdie than most people are. (laughs) Like, I know that's not true. You know what I mean? Like even as the thought was happening in my head and making its way to my vocal cords, I knew that that was insane, an insane thing to think and feel, but that is how it feels. That's how it feels. You are closer with Birdie that, here's what I think is true. You're closer with Birdie than anyone else on the planet would be with Birdie, probably, like with very, you know, probably zero exceptions. We all feel like we have these unique, close relationships. We know this person better than anyone knows them, you know? And it gets it gets a little dicey when when a kid gets to the age where they're figuring out who they are as a person and maybe changing who they are as a person a little bit. And then you don't know them so much, you know? And so you're waiting, you're like in this in this waiting stage to see like who they're gonna become. For me, and this is 
super unique, but like I know at the time when Eli was like graduating from eighth grade and then going on to graduate from high school, I remember my mother-in-law saying like, isn't it so emotional? Aren't you so sad? And I totally got where she was coming from. And I certainly saw the moms around me in particular, all parents, but moms in particular, feeling that way, like feeling a little like melancholy and nostalgic. But for me, because of everything Eli had been through, I was so happy that he was there. Well, and that's also that's also a huge piece of it. I was going to say, I was going to, I like told Mark, this is funny, because this is like exactly along these lines. Yeah. Um. So, Birdie, uh, so we had Taylor Swift the other night and then, um, and then Birdie went to this friend, friend's birthday in Connecticut. And this is a friend that Birdie made like literally through Taylor Swift, like through being a fan of Taylor Swift. Yeah. Which is so cute. Like that these kids like are able to, you're able to find kids. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That you don't go to school with. Like they're, and she's such a cute, good kid. So Mark, but Mark had to drive her like out to Connecticut (laughs) for this birthday party. And we were texting yesterday and um, I wrote, Birdie's having a blast, by the way. And he wrote back, she hasn't responded to me. And I said, (laughs) oh, they all FaceTimed me because there's a boy there who, at the party, who loves Girls 5 Eva. It's his favorite show. Uh And Mark wrote, that's so cute. And I said, you know, she seemed so proud And then he wrote, she's doing okay. And I wrote, I think she does really know she's getting out. And then he wrote, she has so many more moments of joy now. And I said, she does. She really does. And he wrote, that's all you can kind of do. You can't ever make the other stuff go away. Right. And I said, no, I know. Are you telling me? Or are you telling her? And he said, I'm telling everyone it's part of my seminar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, like, to see where Bertie is now, yes, it's, the, it's very similar to with what you must have felt with Eli. And part of me is, like, but I have this unknown now, this like piece of sending her out into the world. And I don't know if I don't know. I don't know. I just don't yeah. know, Casey. I know. You won't, you will not know. And you will not even know for the first little while that it's happening. You won't know what you're doing at all. You just won't. But you will figure it out. And you will adapt and you will probably even I know you can't believe this but you'll probably even feel thrilled sometimes because you will think like you'll go to like ask her if she wants a snack or something and she won't be there because she'll be away at school and instead of being sad that one time you will feel thrilled in your soul that she's getting to do this incredible thing and then you'll probably feel guilty for <laughs> feeling <laughs> thrilled about it. But, you know, y- you just, you can't predict how it's going to go. But I'm saying, like, I- I'm optimistic 
you know, I'm optimistic that it's going to go great and and that you're just going to be like, wow, look at her go. But I also know it seems unbelievable. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) And I know, I know that like leading up to it is just like. Well, it's the same fucking thing as the nodule in my throat, right? Like doing the ablation. Right. Could be cancer, but I'm going to choose this like thing that I'm going to do. Right. I'm, you know, I'm betting that it's going to go well. I'm betting, I'm putting money on that it's going to go great. You might as well, right? Like, this is what I've learned so late in my life. And, oh, my God, why couldn't I have learned this when I was 7 or 15 or 30 or 40? I'm learning so late that when you don't know, might as well bet on it's going to go well. I'm why able not? to do that for so in so many ways. Do you know what I, I mean? I love that. I think it's so great. I am not that person, and I'm just becoming <laughs> No that- shit, Casey. <laughs> I'm just becoming that's always that been person. my whole thing with you. I'm like, I know. Just let's come on, let's bet on twins. You know that yeah. expression that Emily's dad used to say to us. No, what did he say? I think Emily, if uh, Emily's probably not listening to this podcast, but we'll we'll have to ask her if it was specifically about me or if it was about somebody else. But he was like, Busy's the kind of person that doesn't just count her chickens before they hatch. She bets on twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Which is like kind of true. I do yeah. bet on twins. I'm yeah. like I'm like not only is it going to be great, it's going to be better than great. But also like here's why being like that is such a smart choice because like A, look how far it's gotten you. I think, you know, we can all agree that your life is good and 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 you're doing good things with it. But also B, even if you can't guarantee what the outcome is, you've spent so much time like enjoying the anticipation of something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of like, that's a good chunk of your life. Like waiting for things is a good chunk of your life. And if people can wait in an anticipatory way and an excited way, instead of like a pessimistic way and a, a concerned or anxious way, then that's just like a nicer way to spend time. And I know that that's like not always possible for people. Right. I don't think it has been possible for me in my life. Yeah. I think it's possible now I'm not going to give 100% credit to mushrooms, but maybe it's mushrooms, you know? Maybe. So, like, I don't I don't know, but I don't know what allows Speaking me to, like— Speaking of which. Uh-oh. Yes. This story I know, but please. Are people going to come for me? Well, I mean, it's an accident. Accidents happen. If people want to come for you. I know, but I'm generally speaking so good about, because I have kids, like, I don't even, like, keep mushroom chocolate, like, at the kid's house. Truly. Like, I only, it's only over here. Wild grain, wild grain, everybody loves the wild grain. Guys, I think I just did it. I did it. I did it. (laughs) You know what? There's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread. 
That's what I was going to say. The smell of fresh baked bread. But you know what else there's nothing like? When your kid what? tells you at 10, 15 p.m. that they're starving and they need <laughs> pasta ASAP and you're like, oh my God. But then you remember that you have wild green frozen pasta in your freezer and it only takes like four minutes to cook and you're like, no Ugh. worries. I got you, girl. And then you're, they're like, you're a hero, mom. And then <laughs> I'm like, it's just the best tasting fettuccine of all time. So it's enjoy so that. good. Everything wild green. You know, I'm cuckoo for the croissants. I mean... The croissants but- <laughs> are nothing to sneeze at, Casey. Right. And I don't sneeze, which is so great. I don't think that I've ever... There's ever been like a line of foods, like a brand of foods where I have universally loved everything across the board. And they don't make me sneeze. What Speaking more can I of ask sneezing. for? Speaking yeah. of Sneezing. Well, part of the reason why they probably don't make you sneeze is because unlike typical supermarket bread, wild grain uses a slow fermentation process that's easier on your tummy, lower on sugar, rich in nutrients and antioxidants. And every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. Like I mentioned, the pastas cook way faster than that. Yeah. Way faster. Plus for every new member, wild grain donates six meals, six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank. You know we love a company that does good as well as doing good by you by (laughs) making things that are delicious. Anyway, all you do is you sign up at wildgrain.com slash busy. You choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. Wild Grain is the first Bake from Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, artisanal pastries. It's really easy to figure out how to cancel it if you reschedule it or skip it if you aren't going to be home or if like you didn't eat as much bread that month or whatever. Exactly. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off of your first box plus free croissants in every box. Casey's favorite. Oh my God. Just go to wildgrain.com slash busy to start the subscription. You guys, you heard me. Free croissants in every single box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash busy. That's wildgrain.com slash busy or you can use promo code busy at the checkout. We love you, Wild Grain. I mean, come on. Bass. Bass. We love you, bass. Thank God for bass. I've been traveling a lot lately. Yes, you have. I have been bringing extra stuff everywhere. Like everywhere I go, I collect a few more things that I need to fit in my bag. And bass has had my back over the past couple weeks. So, and thank thank God you you have bass because bass is an overpacker's dream. But with bass, there's room for everything. The weekend trip that you need 15 pairs of underwear, no no worries, no worries. If <laughs> well, you're I trying to my... decide between, yeah, different sandals, based yes. on you covered, you can bring them all. I had my podcast equipment. I was putting in my base bag. I had clothes for like formal things and then clothes for like clean up dirty things. And just, I was able to keep it all separated, all straight, and it all fit. And it was no problem. And it was so easy to maneuver through the airport. And at one point I was trying to like help my husband with his bag and it just 
I I had to stop touching it. I was disgusted because whatever bag he had just it paled in comparison to my base rolly bag. Listen, base was created by an actress, Shay Mitchell, because she traveled a lot and she wanted to make very cute, sleek, affordable bags, luggage and accessories that also helped you travel effortlessly, still looked fashionable and was able to carry all the shoes that she needed to carry. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Weekender bag because it's super functional and has a place for your shoes to be stored separately, which you know, I hate having shoes in with my regular stuff because I don't like the thought of the bottom of my shoes touching any of my clothes. Shay really thought of it all. You're, yeah, she's right about that. She she is 100% right. And they add new pieces all the time. I was just looking at their website the other day, and I was like, I need this. I need this. I need this. And new so, colors. Yes. Which we love. Love. Listen, guys, check it out. It's almost the summer. It's time for traveling. Get it together. Look adorable. Whether it's like a quick trip or you're going to go three months in Europe. Listen, right now, Base is offering our listeners... off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash best. Go to basetravel.com slash best for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S-T-R-A-V-E-L dot com slash best. Get your base on. So you had mushroom wow. chocolate. There was there was a there was leftover mushroom chocolate from a bar, but I had most of the bar had been eaten, mm-hmm. consumed by adults. Yes, and it was, and it had like was in my backpack and had like melted kind of, so it was okay. like clumpy, and I was just gonna probably throw it out. Yeah, and then um. Took the kids to Taylor Swift, came home super late, went to bed. Gina was like being weird. I woke up. She was like trying to chew, like she was like trying to destroy my hair thing. I like took it away from her. I was like, dude, your bone is right there. Like what? Go to bed. Yeah. Apparently I passed the fuck out because I was exhausted and had a horrible IBS, which guys we talk about later with Samantha Irby. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Me shitting. Yeah. (laughs) From stress. Um, When I got home, so I like passed out. I was so tired. Yeah. And I drove there. It's just like all stressful taking kids to a concert. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Mark was in the house as well. And he was like, he took, he was like, yeah, she was like scratching at the door and barking. And I took her like to my wing of the family home. Yeah. And I... And I took her out at like 1.30 in the morning and I was like, oh, weird. Okay. Woke up the next morning early post Taylor because I was going to take the train to New Jersey to see my friend, uh, my good friend, and hang out with her for a little bit during the day and was like rushing around to try to make the 9.14 a.m. train. Yeah. And then I saw it and it was... The torn up remnants and packaging from the mushroom chocolate. Mm. And then like a chewed up ball of 
said mushroom chocolate, like that looked kind of like a poop. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was definitely not. Yeah. And then I looked at Gina, who was like passed out on my bed, and I was like, motherfucker. So then I texted Mark, hi, I'm going to need you to wake up and come down to my room, please. Immediately, there's an emergency. He did. We like gave her the once over. Yeah. Her pupils were huge. (laughs) (laughs) She seemed totally fine and was like a little bit just like annoyed at me for waking her up. But then I like called uh, dog poison control. Well, I texted you. Yes. (laughs) First. Yes. Obviously my first text was to you. Well, because you've been through it. I have experience with when my dogs ate the vagina chocolates. Which I thought was mushroom chocolate. No, it was chocolate that my mother-in-law had sent us for Valentine's Day. And it was dark chocolate in the shape of vaginas, which she thought was hilarious. And it was hilarious in a way until the dogs ate it. Well, here's what I'm going to say. First of all... If you ever have a dog that you realize has eaten something terrible, definitely keep in mind that there's this poison control, like animal poison control that you can call because any emergency vet is going to ask you to do that. Right. Because they, the poison, the animal poison control like sets the protocol for what you should do. Right. So based on their like weight and the time that they probably ate it. And the amount of, yes. And the amount. So and anyway, also even the content, the cocoa content of the chocolate. Right. So, hold on, let me chew my turkey. Um, oh my God, meanwhile, this is such a sidebar and so ADD of me. But you know, I did Jesse Tyler Ferguson's podcast. Yes. Has it started yet? Has it come out yet? I mean, the, I not th- my episode, but has his podcast so. started yet? I don't think so. I have to look though. Do you know what the do you know what he does on the podcast? I know it has to do with lunch. He, you like eat on the podcast. And I said to him, I was like, Jesse, people are gonna fucking hate this. <laughs> like you're just like, we're like just eating into the microphone. I'm like, people are gonna have reactions. Well, here's what I will say is that like if that's the whole thing, if that's the whole thing of it, like there might be a certain type of people that love it and they're here for it, but I think people get upset when we spring eating on them, maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm sorry I'm housing some Swiss cheese and some turkey, no, it's, guys. It's, it's okay. Three, 3.15, I got to eat. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> back to Gina. So we're doing our own, but like, of course, of course, I was really bummed because I really wanted to go see my friend because she was starting another treatment today and I wanted to like see her before that, like just right. to, you know, have some laughs or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, this motherfucker. And can I tell you my real feeling is that Gina saw all the girls, all the human daughters, and my friend Joanne and her daughter Olivia and Bevan, Bertie's best, leave the house and go have a wonderful night. She's stuck home with Mark watching fucking basketball or whatever. And then we all come home and we had the best time. And she was like, let's play, let's play. And we were like, we're, we're going to bed. We're exhausted. Right. And she was fucking mad at me. She was mad. And she went into the deepest part of my closet where I didn't even realize that our wonderful cleaning lady had put my backpack and my 
other bag, my base bag. Right. And took out the, and like rooted into it and got that thing and tore it apart. Right. Anyway, called poison control, found a emergency vet that was not far from home got Gina in the car on the phone with poison control. The woman was so nice on the phone. Good. Good. She also was like for the amount of chocolate that Gina ate. Well, and then we determined like she probably ate it at one in the morning. Right. Like right before Mark got her balls. She had been tripping all night, man. Yeah. And slept through most of it, you know, good for her. Yeah. But, because once we determined that, like, it didn't ha- I woke up pretty early in the morning, yeah. and there was no way it happened in the morning. Like, yeah, like moments I, before. Yeah, like, right. I saw it as soon as I, like, came back out, you know, like, of the bathroom. It, w- it just would have not been possible. She would have been right. in the action of it. Right. Um. So... Anyway, at that point, they're like a little bit like the vets need to, the vet just needs to like check out her vitals and everything. But based on her weight, the amount of chocolate that I think was left and like, and then the mushrooms on top, <laughs> on top of it, they're like, she's probably, like, it's A, too late to pump her stomach or to like right. make her throw, no, they don't pump their stomach. They make them throw up. Yeah. It's like too late to make her throw up. It's not going to do anything. She probably tripped most of the night. She's probably going to be just like a little weird today, but you just go get her vitals checked to make sure her heart's good and that she yeah. sounds all right. But luckily there's like no um, known toxicity for like any organ or anything like that. Like it's fine. Like oh, it's good. actually okay. Yeah. It just is scary, obviously. Right. I felt he- like a terrible mother. It's very stressful. I had to have diarrhea at the vet. Yeah. Too. Which is never fun. Especially because you guys, the bathroom was like literally right behind the receptionist. I felt so bad. (laughs) Do you think in a, in a vet's office, they haven't seen some terrible shits? Don't tell me that you think that you've, you shit worse than every animal that's ever been in there. No, there was an animal that came in right after that was, it was, I like almost threw up. It was terrible. There you go. It was so bad, but no, but it's like, if ever you have to do it, do it at a vet's office. That's like, I was just having, I was like having the kind of IBS where it's just like you turn a faucet on. Yeah. And then it's like not great. Not my, not my favorite kind of IBS. I have different ones, you know, like yeah, I've had it for course. so long. Like I know, I know my different kinds of IBS. That one, this one in your, particular that I had is not my fave. It's your just least favorite. My, one of my least favorite kinds of IBS. It was just a real fucking bummer. Um, yeah. But anyway, the vets and all the vet techs, of course, loved Gina. She was like so friendly and cute and like she was truly fine. She had undergone a complete ego death. I think she healed some trauma. I'm and not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I think and she now she's like very zen and philosophical. 
She was being so funny last night too. Like she, like her person, like just everything yesterday. She went through so many stages yesterday. Oh my gosh. Obviously I couldn't go to New Jersey to see my friend. Right. Can't, I like had to be there with Gina the whole day. I told Birdie that she had gotten some weed gummies because I didn't want Birdie, you know, listen guys. You don't want to introduce a new concept. No, I'm, I'm like, I'm there up to a point. And then I'm right. just like, we got to, so if anyone reports on this from like a, I don't know, any kind, anyone from like any- a gossip website or anyone, <laughs> just, just put weed gummies. Okay. Just do me a fucking solid. Do, we've done do you know so I mean? much for you. I have done so much for you. This I have. what I'm saying. I've provided content, like constant content. I'm just saying, do me a fucking solid and just say weed gummies. And maybe I should have told the story this way. And maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is where I'm too honest, but like, just help a sister out. I am just trying to parent to the best of my abilities. And anyway, so I did tell Birdie that she had gotten into my weed gummies. Because Birdie knows I have weed gummies for sleep and stuff. She doesn't know about the mushrooms for healing trauma. But (laughs) (laughs) someday she will. It's just not yet. You know what I mean, guys? Exactly, exactly. So anyway... Um, Gina was just so fucking funny, so funny, and was like kind of cracking me up. And then our babysitter, who's obsessed with Gina Quinn, of course, because I collect, because we just, I collect people. There was something happening in her apartment that's been happening. She can't use her bathroom, and there was that, whatever. Yeah. So she had already, oh, and. <laughs> And she had asked me, she babysat for us a couple nights ago and ha- and was like, do you think you could get me a Phoebe Bridgers t-shirt at the concert? And I was like, <laughs> yes, of course, Gwen. I'll get you a Phoebe Bridgers shirt. So she texted in the morning like, um, I hope the concert was great. And I was like, I got your shirt. You can come over whenever. I'm not going to New Jersey today because of the situation with Gina. And she was like, oh my God. But also, can I grab your keys and shower at Casa Kismet? And I was like, yes, of course, of course. Just come over whenever. So she came over and then was like hanging with Gina. And then she's like, you know what? I'll take Gina with me up to the apartment. Like just watch her, make sure she's good. And so she spent like half the day babysitting Gina, which was a relief to me. Because yeah. I, was, I was feeling very stressed about yeah. it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And continue to feel stressed about it. Like, cut to four in the morning this morning, past this morning, I woke up and Gina was like passed out on her usual chair across from my bed that she loves. But then I got like too worried that she was too passed out. Like not even thinking that it was like four in the morning. And held a mirror up to her nose. I legit picked her up (laughs) and like put her into my bed and then like was talking to her and she just kept looking at me like, what are you doing, lady? Stop. Shh. Let me sleep. I was just like, I was being crazy. But well, the vets, ha- I just, it was scary. And the vet, the vets were very, the vet was like, she's great. She seems very chill. Her pupils are definitely dilated. She's <laughs> probably tripping a little still, but it's been six hours. Like, right. she's good. Her heart was good. Her like, Lungs, so everything sounded, she was good. Yeah. 
I just felt like such a fucking fuck up of a parent. Listen, here is what I will say. I was with Matt when you texted me and called uh, about it happening. And I gave you my advice to like get to the emergency vet and bring the wrapper so that they could calculate the amount of chocolate um, that had been eaten, uh, which I wouldn't have known this before, but because my dogs ate dark chocolate, that is particularly dangerous, more dangerous than milk chocolate. And because if they had, if there was any guarantee that they had split the box of vagina chocolates evenly, they probably both wouldn't have had to do anything. But because there's no way to know, did somebody eat 90% of the chocolate or did they eat 50%? There's no way to know, and there's no way to know if, like, the good one ate the more chocolate or if the bad one did. So, you know, we're just—it was just a guessing game at that point. So, anyway, I gave you my advice. But then Matt was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with Gina? So I told him, and he said—he didn't say, why would Busy leave mushroom chocolate inside a bag inside her closet where Gina could get to it? He did not say anything like that. He said, what is going on with dogs right now? It seems like they're doing a bunch of crazy shit. And I was like, I agree. I blame dogs. I blame dogs. It wasn't you. Our Can dogs I be honest with you? I swear to God. And birds. The- no, what is happening with the animals? <laughs> I think the animals are responding to the chaos of the world. Yeah. And they're just like, let me just get into some shit. Let me just do it. Let me just get it over with. I mean, maybe it's always been like this, but I truly feel like dogs are like looking at us and they're like, listen, people are fucking stupid. Yeah. And they they do whatever the fuck they want. Yes. I'm going to do what I want to. And by the way, I practically think I'm a person. So I'm going to go into this backpack that belongs to a person and um, dig around and see what I can find. Like, I think that dogs are just like, I'm, I consider myself nearly a person and therefore I'm going to do shit as stupid as a person does. Also, I think that Gina genuinely was pissed that she didn't go to Taylor Swift. Yeah, I'm sure she was lashing out. Because she was she like, was she like, thinks she's a person who deserved to go to Taylor Swift. Well, 100%. Also, she loves Taylor Swift. You know, she gets really, like, melancholy when Taylor Swift is playing and then she, and she like, mopes around and stuff. So, yeah. so she's, I don't know what was going on. She was taking I, it hard you and know she what? acted out. I'm, like, so grateful for Matt's perspective on this because... Now that you say that, I'm in full, I'm like on board. I'm like, I'm releasing myself of the responsibility for that. Like, just because <laughs> she's, she's, the, dogs are on one. Dogs are on one right now. They really are. And it's like, I mean, it truly could happen to anyone because like I take preventative, like I consider myself a real dog helicopter mom. And it's not about like, I'm not being overprotective of the dogs. It's just that they're so stupid and they just try to do stupid shit all the time. I'm just trying not to go to the emergency vet. You know what I mean? And yet somehow they get past the gate, locking them out of like where chocolate is kept. Somehow they leap up and catch a friggin' bird. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's on them. You know, like uh, the same as like 
when you follow around your kids saying, be careful, be careful, don't do that, don't do that. And like, I would always say to my kids, like, they'd be like, I'm not going to fall off this wall and break my arm. And I'm like, they call it an accident because you don't expect it to happen. Totally. But like dogs, I feel like aren't even having accidents. They're like intentionally doing crazy shit. Yeah, I do. I feel that way too. So, um, so that was my drama. That's and very dramatic. I'm so glad we were we were worried about Gina. Dramatic. Yeah, but she was fine. I mean, ugh, good lord. Now Gina. you have to take a bunch of mushrooms so you can get over that happening. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's like you know, it's a lot. Well, I was just. It was just a whole. It was a whole kerfuffle. I'm glad she's um, okay. Me too. Obviously, I, I mean, like, obviously, I, I sobbed and was just like, I can't believe this person, aka in a, dog, in a dog suit. This person in a dog suit is like, girlfriend, what are you doing? Get it together, anyway, dog. Get it together. I have a lockbox. I'm just getting it. I'm just gonna get it out of the basement. Yeah. Just in case I ever have things like I'm aware when things are in my bag that I like bring home from Casa Kismet, you know, like be it weed or right. <laughs> or mushrooms. That's it. Those by guy by the way, guys, those are that's the only, it. Those that's yeah. the extent of it. Yeah. Never in my just, life done cocaine. Just some plants and funguses. Guys, I keep it natural. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done what? cocaine either. Everyone thinks that I have. Well, as we have said before, ADD. can't afford cocaine. But yeah, ADD is like, yeah, I think it mimics, you know, those. But I, I, I just, we're not living that life. We're not living that. I've never been living a snorting things up my nose life. No. That's no. just not for her. Yeah. Also, it's, I like, my nose is, you know. You love your nose. You would never want to risk no, it. I would never want to risk it. It's my it's favorite like how, part of my face. Yeah, sometimes people would um, say that Prince did such and such of like a wild thing or whatever, like got into like a scrap at a club or whatever. And I'd be like, he'd never risk his hands. He never would. Ever. Never. It's not. We know that. Automatically. We know that. Untrue. My God, I've had such a fucking week though, too. I mean, I just think it's all been a lot. Like there's, there's, there's all the stuff I've already talked about. Then there's other things that I can't, that I'm not going to talk about. And then there was the Taylor Swift concert, which, oh, should, I can tell the story of how I got four tickets. Yeah. How'd you get them? Very exciting. How'd you get them? Through Renee Elise Goldsberry. <gasps> wow. She's which such is, a good friend. She is a great friend. She's a yeah. great friend. And one of her best friends happens to be. One of Taylor's backup singers, guys. Didn't know it. Didn't know it. Oh, my gosh. Um, incredible singer. Like, wow. Wonderful. But Cricket had other, lots of kids in Cricket's grade were going, had gotten tickets. Right. Um, and so Cricket revealed to me last week, oh, because Mark and I had the realization we had gotten just those two tickets through the second round Ticketmaster lottery right, thing. Right, right. When they tried to make up for the disaster. Right, which I was gr- I was like grateful that we got yeah. those two tickets for Birdie and her best friend. And then at a certain point, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, 
So then I got those tickets through your friend for Philly, thinking like, well, that'll be the show I go to. And then like a week and a half after I went to the Philly show, Mark and I were talking and I was like, wait, 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 we can't let these teenagers go to a stadium with 75,000 people like (laughs) by themselves, like teenagers who are still young teenagers, right? who also both have had like anxiety in the past, Right. who like, no, you can't, I'm not doing, like, that's not happening. So then what it turned into was that I was like, well, I already saw the show, albeit the seats weren't great. We were on the side yeah. watching them, but whatever. But I was like, I already saw the show. It's a lot of money. Let's just like, if we can get one ticket, Mark, you drive them, you go. Right. Then Cricket revealed to me, because you know she keeps it close to the vest, to the chest, vest, to the vest. Your vest, you wear your vest on your chest. So either way. Cricket revealed to me in a moment of vulnerability that she actually did really want to go see Taylor Swift, but she didn't want to tell us because she knew it was so much more important to Birdie. Aww. I know. So then we were looking for single tickets like on the resale sites, you know, which by the way, it was insanely expensive still. Right. But then Renee reached out and was like, I think I can help you. And so then I was able to get four tickets together thinking, well, Mark and I could go both, both. Right. Both of us could go with Cricket and then we could bring, oh, and then I was trying to, I wanted to see if my friend could come. Right. Because she really wanted to see Taylor Swift, but she's sick and it like just wasn't, she just couldn't. And so then um, she just didn't have the energy for it. So then yeah. uh, there'll be other concerts, there'll be other Taylor Swift concerts. Yeah. This isn't, you know, this isn't yeah. the Yellow Brick Tour. Right, right. Elton John. Um <laughs> This is what this is what I told uh, Lou Barlow and Adele Barlow's little girl because she wanted to go see Taylor Swift, and oh, I was, remember, yeah, yeah. And I was saying this won't be the last time she'll be she'll be coming around. You'll see her a million uh, times. Let me tell you something. I think I think ten was too young. Yeah, they were, they were so overwhelmed. Both of the kids. I mean, Cricket was the one that like lost at first. Yeah, when it got dark, but like. Cricket's, one of Cricket's BFFs who was with us and her mom, Joanne, who I love, um, had like literally been playing her softball playoff game that day. She was exhausted and like spent and just like, it was super overwhelming. And like the tickets were great seats, like really great, not on the floor, but like really great seats. And it just was like the little kids like kind of just couldn't deal. Uh. And Cricket was like sobbing. Aww. Like we went outside. I was like, let's take a merch break. And then like all of the merch was like sold out inside. Like it was crazy. The whole thing oh was like crazy. Gosh. It's a circus. But it was a circus. And then I ran into my friend Lindsay Lyons and her fiance. And that was like weirdly when Cricket snapped out of it. Like outside, we were outside and she and her fiance were like going from their seats up to, she works um, in uh, music, like in music. Industry? Concert stuff. Yeah, she works for Golden Voice. Okay, gotcha. So like they were going from their seats to like 
some box where they had to see like see people. Yeah. But she was so cute and like the way she was talking to Cricket and I don't know, just like snapped Cricket a little bit out of it. And then we found this, I talk about it a little bit later in the show, but we found this club, the MetLife 50, like it's on the 50 yard line club. That's normally a private club during like football games, but I guess because it was a buyout event or whatever, it was just open to the public. Anyone could go in there, but people didn't really know that because they thought it was just a members only club. Right. But you could go in there and you're on the 50 yard line. And so we could see everything perfectly, but it was like, almost like quiet in there. Right, you couldn't hear. It's like soundproof yeah. <laughs> windows. Oh my gosh. But the kids, but I, we went in there and then Joanne and Olivia came down and met us. And then the kids just like sort of were in there. There were a few other kids that were having some like overwhelming sensory some sensory issues. Vibes. Yeah. And we stayed in there for a while. And then at a certain point, Joanne was like, oh yeah, they're going to close the club soon. We were going to have to like go back to the seats, guys. I was like, now do you think you could try the um, earplugs that I brought for you guys? Yeah. Because I had brought those earplugs that Cricket refused to put in. Of course. It's like (sighs) 10-year-olds refuse to wear jackets. Yes. And earplugs. Yes. Anyway, but they both put the earplugs in. We went back to the seats and then they had the time of their lives. Great. Good. Oh, it's a lot. Taylor Swift is a lot. Right oh into right into Mushroom Chocolate Gate. <laughs> weed Gummy Gate. Oh, my God. Meanwhile. Then, yeah. No, I was just going to say I got tickets for Lincoln to go his dream concert. He's going to see Bruce Springsteen. I got Where him. is Bruce now? What's happening? Bruce He's like, like, I've seen him. He's in Europe Europe, now, I think, but I got tickets for Lincoln's birthday, which was like at the beginning of the month, but the show isn't until December. And so um, watching my husband lobby to be his plus one for the show is going to be my entertainment for the next several months. Is it at Dodger Stadium? (laughs) No, it's uh, it's at the Forum in Inglewood. Oh, Uh, yeah. Everything's there now, right? Yeah. I forgot because I redid it. I just love that it's clear. It's clear to me now that my husband also desperately wants to see Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and he's oh, really, it's, he's, I mean, Lincoln is, uh, I hope he leverages it. Cause I think for the next several months, dad's going to be on his best behavior, hoping to be his date to go see the boss. <laughs> I had like a hard time too, just cause like, I could creepily spy on Birdie and Bevan from our seats. <laughs> yeah. I picked, I I was able to kind of like pick where we would be for the seats because it was like their friends and family seats, yeah. like through Renee's yeah. friend. dear friend. Yeah. So I picked the side where I was like, oh, I can see the floor where I know the girls are going to, where we have those tickets, you know, right. so I know that I'm going to be able to see the girls. Right. And I like got, I was really sad not to be with Birdie. I feel like we've been to so many concerts together. Yeah. But also like just how your brain does 
those tricks where you like romanticize things. Like I've been miserable at so many concerts with Birdie. Right. Like we're like, we're like, I'm literally like plotting my own, like leaving the family right. um, and never coming back right. in my head. Because You're going to get on the tour bus. and I'm like, yeah, because I'm just like, oh, this is, I don't want to be a mom anymore. Like I fucking hate this because right. Birdie's been so like mean to me or whatever at a right. concert, you know? Yeah. But then here I am and I'm like, up high looking down at Birdie and her friend enjoying Phoebe Bridgers. And I just started like sobbing Aww. because I wasn't there for Birdie to be mean to. Right. <laughs> for like, mom, shut the fuck up. Oh my I just God. was like, I've had a lot of feelings about parenthood in the last yeah. 48 hours. Yeah, you're going through it. It's, I mean, listen, like everybody has to like, loosen the apron strings at some point. And so it's a unique situation where you'll be like watching from above at a vantage point. So of course that would make like some feelings kick in. Like usually, you know, you're dropping your kid off at like a basketball game or whatever at school and you drive off and you don't get to really watch it. But I can imagine like watching your kid be independent is both beautiful and also like a little melancholy feeling even if the melancholy is based on like a, some fantasy that would never happen in a million years right because like if we were together I can only imagine that like everything I would have done would have been mostly annoying unless like it was like the exact right thing in the exact right moment you yeah. know what I mean like yeah I understand that I was like but this is that also was like a glimpse of what the next school year is going to be like for me a little bit, which is like, there's going to be a certain romanticism of what high school would be like having Birdie in like my home every day right. as opposed to like in boarding school. And I, to be clear, think that this is the exact right decision in this moment for Birdie to try out and see. Yeah. And maybe and maybe it's like the whole high school ends up being in boarding school and maybe it doesn't. But regardless, I do believe that this is like exactly right for her yeah. to do this, right. this way. Right. Um, it's just a lot of thoughts, feelings, and emotions. <laughs> I know, I know. It is. I mean, well, listen, like all those firsts getting a driver's license or getting a first job or anything. It's all, you know, and I think also because of the past couple of years where we just weren't even sure like what those firsts were going to be anymore. And so totally. we've missed, we've missed out on a lot of things. And, you know, I, I think all of us are just very, very tender around those moments. Uh, I think that's a very good word. Tender. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard, but it's I'm so excited for Birdie. I'm excited for her to get to do this. Not everybody gets to do something no, like this. No, are you this. fucking kidding me? It's and, insane. It's so cool. Yeah, and she's such a unique kid, and I think a unique experience is, you know, is called for in the situation. I just remembered that I do have a really good friend in Sweden uh, that I will— I want to connect you with, just in case, just to have, like, boots on the ground. I know you have other people. Yeah. But 
I just I feel like I should it. introduce you to everyone Swedish that I know I, so that- 100%. I'm, um, guys, I'm open. If you're Swedish, reach the fuck out. <laughs> like, do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm open to anyone's intro. Yeah. Um, yeah I remember- has what, a friend in school now that, uh, oh, who is Swedish. Oh, good. And her mom was like, I'm introdu- I'm going to introduce you to this person and this person. And oh, yeah, good. Yeah. It's good. Even when, when we were sent, sending Eli, we were sending him to Seattle when he was, I think, a little younger than Birdie, maybe. And I was so nervous to send him, like, to across the country. Oh, my God. I remember that. I without mean, I remember us, this story. Now, I don't remember that. I wasn't there for that. But yes. Yeah. But yeah, where I just was like, if I just knew one adult who lived in Seattle and we happened to know one adult and my husband was like, oh, he's a rock star, though. And I was like, it doesn't, at least one adult. Someone and, be, and, a- and then it became, you know, then he became the main character on the internet for a minute. <laughs> oh my God. But just ha- someone who's a, an adult whose phone number they can have in their pocket is like, makes you feel a little bit better. Um, and, you know, and also when we went to the West Coast and Eli stayed on the East Coast, even though he was 18, 19 years old, like just having... Well, he was adult. also kind of like living with your friend. Yeah, he lived with not my, in like a romantic. No, life. no. <laughs> he <laughs> lived in our house with my friend because my friend got lived in Washington D.C., but she got a job in Harlem and she couldn't find a place that she could afford on the salary of the job, but it was a really good job. Like, so I was like, "Well, here's a weird proposition, but." <laughs> My you want to be roommates with my twenty year old? Yeah. Do you want to be like a thirty something person who works in politics and be roommates with a twenty year old in Connecticut? And uh, I am so happy that that happened because they remain BFFs like to this day. And by the way, she would always like try to text me gossip about like what Eli was doing, and I was like, Heather, do you think Eli doesn't gossip to me about what you're doing? (laughs) And she was like, "Mm, That's fucking hilarious. That's a good point. I was like, you you guys should actually be allies against me at this point. But I, I'm so happy that that it worked out that way. But also like uh other other friends that just checked in on him and made sure that he was, you know, doing okay was was really helpful to me. So I wanna connect you with as many Swedish people as possible. I'm open. I'll take anyone. <laughs> Um, should we talk to Samantha Irby? I'm dying to talk to Samantha Irby. Um, she's so great. Samantha Irby is like one of those folks that started off kind of as like an internet personality and became an author. And now she's a television writer as well. She worked But on, she's prolific. She's written she's, her books. You've seen her books in, as I like to say, if you've seen them nowhere else, you've definitely seen them in the airport. 100%. 100%. Her new book is called Quietly Hostile. She's also worked on the, and just like that, the Sex in the City show and Shrill, Lindy, the Lindy West show that I know a lot of you have watched and loved. And uh, she's just amazing. And I've known her for a really long time on the internet. We've been internet friends and and the t- uh, and, the, and our chat was just truly is truly delightful and I hope you guys enjoy it. Faria, Faria, Faria. Guys, I don't know who who needs to hear this in this moment right now. But I'm gonna need you to start having better sex. Yeah, I mean so Listen. many things would be so much better. 
if we were just having better sex. Yeah. Whether you're alone or with somebody, I'm telling you. And if you're with somebody, I don't want you to think like, oh, but the sex is great with them. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great, but it can get better. I'm just telling you. It could be better. I know it can be better. It can always be better. And here's where Foria comes in because Foria has products that were designed to naturally enhance sexual pleasure and give you access to bigger and better orgasms, whether you're solo or with a partner, using all natural plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and relieve discomfort. Foria has a serious cult following. You've heard us talk about the reviews online. I highly recommend going through those testimonials and checking out what people have to say about how the sex oil and the Awaken Arousal Oil has changed their games. You know who else gives Foria a lot of great reviews? Our listeners. I don't think any any product that we've ever advertised on the podcast has gotten more thumbs up from uh, our listeners. You guys, it is true. And so here's what we're saying to you. Why not give it a shot? Also used together, Foria's Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Oil are the perfect combo for peak pleasure. You have our permission to try this. We fully endorse you. Go ahead and treat yourself to more, deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it and as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners only. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash best or use code best at checkout. That's Foria, F-O-R-I-A, wellness.com forward slash best for 20% off your first order. We recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. You're going to thank us. Trust me, you're going to thank us. Talkify, talkify, life is full of what ifs. So what if you try something new when it comes to dating? Talkify is a new way to meet other serious singles. What if they help you find what you're looking for? Listen, confidence is key when it comes to dating, but if you've struggled to find worthwhile connections, it can be difficult to feel your best when meeting new people. With Talkify, you feel confident that you're meeting someone special who was picked just for you. Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that's designed to help you achieve relationship success. Their trusted compatibility specialists hand select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify matchmakers meet with you to learn about what you're looking for in a partner And then they select and screen potential match candidates for you, doing background checks and video interviews and asking tough questions that are too awkward for first dates. And then from there, your matchmaker plans your date introductions and handles all communications for you. So it's a very safe and stress-free dating experience. Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of clients met their person within the first 12 matches. This sounds incredible. I haven't dated for a long time, but I have a lot of friends that are single and on the apps and just cutting out all of the BS that they have put up with, with just people who aren't really interested in a relationship, messaging them, uh, you know, just things you don't want to find in your inbox. This sounds like 
such a great thing, and I'm going to be sharing it with all of my single girlfriends. I mean, listen, when I'm in a place where I feel like I'm ready, yeah, I am going to call Talkify just because you know I was on that app for three and a half minutes, and I have enough horror stories for an entire book. So This is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's like... It is real. And then and then also now I'm like not. And I'm like, I don't know how you would ever meet someone. I don't know how I would ever meet someone. You right. know what I mean? Like right. it just feels like truly impossible. Like Right. And so, so the the fact that Talkify is talking about how much effort they're putting into helping you find someone who's, you know, let's be honest, not a creep. Just that alone is sounds like a dream like, come true. Yeah, just like come on. I'd like I need you to call the candidates, you know, call the herd. Let's like get the, what would be the most appealing for me. And then, yeah, I don't have to deal with the rest of the riffraff. (laughs) This is exciting. (laughs) I know, but I'm not there yet. But when I am, it's going to be Talkify. And right now, Talkify is offering you guys, our listeners, 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash best. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com slash best for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash best. There she is. Hi. I'm so sorry. What are you sorry for? For what? Don't be For sorry. Being Ten minutes late. Uh, not I even. Make you gorgeous as wait. For not me. A, listen, Samantha Irby. We are blessed to wow. have you join us. Be at ten, fifteen, twenty. I would take Lizzie, you an you. hour and a half late. See, I, are you trying? Don't make me cry. You trying to make me you? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I am. That's the goal. Remember the Crybabies podcast where the whole thing was just to make you cry? Yes. Our friend yes. Sarah Thayer. Sarah Thayer. And, oh, I love her. And Susan Orlean? Susan Orlean. Yeah. Yes. I did it once. I cried, obviously. <laughs> I never did the I never did the podcast, but I did go see a Broadway show with Sarah Thayer. Um, and the woman in front of us turned around and she was like, oh my God, are you the Crybabies lady? <laughs> just from her voice. Really? Yeah, and I was like, a distinct voice. Yeah, so spooky. <laughs> if someone recognized me from my voice, I would be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> Why do you know it that well? I have to I tell you, like I, people I have recognized recognize me from you. my voice. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I would recognize your voice, Samantha. Uh, yeah, but then I'd be like, <laughs> I'd feel bad for you for knowing it so well. <laughs> That you heard it without, like, <laughs> vomiting. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, I know everybody does know, but I always, Samantha, I always explain just in case for, like, the one person that's like, I am i don't know Samantha Irby. Samantha Irby is, well, actually, my husband and I were just talking about it this morning. We were kind of like, she's like our Irma Bombeck for our time. <laughs> oh you know oh what? Wait, wait. I, I actually, I love that. That's so true. I think that, that's very, that's a really good descriptor. That's maybe like the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think it's kind of true. Samantha Irby, 
is a writer. She's a television writer, but also she has many, many books, including her latest book, which is Boom, bestseller. Yeah, New York Times bestseller. But you guys have, it's called Quietly Hostile. Quietly Hostile. Mm -hmm. And you'll want to get the whole set of books, honestly, because they look so (laughs) cute together on your shelf. They really do. They really do. Like, (laughs) we are never meeting in real life. Wow, no thank you. Meaty. Guys. Get them all. Get them all. (laughs) They're paperbacks. They're very cheap. Wait, I love that you released (laughs) paperbacks. Was that a conscious choice or what was this? What's the story? Because you know when I first like bought one of your books was the best place, an airport. In an airport. I do love to walk by a like, you know, Hudson News and see one of my little dumb animals um, poking out. That does make me very happy. I, so it was sort of an accident that I fully believe in now. The best offer when I first got an agent. So like Meaty came out originally on this indie publisher, like no money, no royalties. It was just like, we'll print out a bunch of your stuff and make it look like a book and that's what you get. And I was like, oh, great. Um, But when I got an agent and we started to like sell a book for real, the best offer was from Vintage, which only does paperbacks. And I was like, perfect. Because, and I don't say that, I mean, I'm pretty self-deprecating, but like, I don't write like $30 books. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> stop yourself right now. This is, but I, but I actually really get it. And I think yes. had I been more thoughtful about it or had I known more or slash anything before I did my book, mm-hmm. I think I would have just released it in paperback as well. Paperback yeah. and audiobook. You're, I think yes. I would have, I think I would have sold double and I did I well, listened- but like. I listened to your book. Well, I bought it because the cover is so great. But then I was like, I want to hear Busy Read It. So then I listened to it on audiobook. But your next one, just do paperback. It's so easy. It's it's a way to... (laughs) to, I automatically, like, don't take myself too seriously, right? It's not... This is not a heavy book of literature. This is a book that you are supposed to drop in the bathtub and like read it once it dries and is all like crinkly and disgusting. That's that's what this book these books well, are. Well, I think I think you're kind of on to something because you talk a lot in the book about like, oh, sorry that I like like regular things that are popular. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel the same way kind of about your books and a lot of books, like there's something about being able to just like roll up a paperback and like stick it in your back pocket or whatever, you know, just to really enjoy it. And you don't feel like you have to keep it precious and perfect. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's really, sometimes I feel like, like, all books are wonderful, and I think that people get a little weird about books, if I'm being honest. And I'm sorry if you're weird about books. I'm telling you the truth. Like, I think that sometimes we treat books like almost like they're bordering on animals or people, which is, you know. Stop it, Casey. No, but it's. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. I don't know. You're having. I know that the mushrooms hit early today. I can tell. I can tell. 
But I'm just like, there's something about like a paperback book where it's like really yours and it's meant to be ephemeral and you're meant to like consume it. Oh my God. Wait, you guys, do you remember? I was in high, we're the same age, Samantha. Mm -hmm. We were in maybe end of middle school or beginning of high school. Sorry about the sirens. I live in New York. I hate it. Um, (laughs) Okay. I hate New York as a city, but we can get into that later. (laughs) I know I mean, you live there, I do, but I know it's for work, right? Please. It's not because it, you love it. No, it's the hard. <laughs> it's so hard. It's every day. I feel like I'm about to break in a million pieces. Thank you for saying that. Everybody who I know who lives in New York and I worked on the Sex and the City reboot. Everybody's obsessed with New York. She's They're the sixth such... girl or whatever. Oh my God. Right. It's <laughs> like girl. For everyone's such an evangelist. And I'm like, what? Where? Like, do you never like leave Soho? Like I could get if I could get it if you like only lived in someplace really cute and never left that area. But on the whole. But the thing about New York City yeah. is that and what I think actually is sort of great about it is that there is no place that's like super cute. Everything is like mixed. Everything is mixed all together. Like mm-hmm. it's like super cute. And then like, you guys literally, I took a picture. I posted on my Instagram stories yesterday because it is it's today. Yesterday and today are Manhattan hinge. Oh yes. That, where the light, because anything above 14th street, how they built the grid of the city guys. I'm just explaining this to you, not to my two friends that I'm talking to. Cause they know what I'm talking about <laughs> the way that they built the city, the grid, it's like Southwest. It runs like, well, anyway, so twice a year for four days, total twice a year, the sunset lines up perfectly with the grid of the city and the sun sets right down the middle of the grid. So it's really cool. cool to like walk. So I was like having this moment by myself (laughs) yesterday. I was like totally alone. I thought I had plans with a friend. I only literally have one friend in this city. Um, (laughs) I thought I had friends. She got tied up. I was just like, fuck. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get stoned and enjoy Manhattan Henge by myself. And Mm -hmm. I found a street that was like, I had a clear shot and it wasn't that busy. So I didn't feel weird taking pictures because now that's a thing too. Like you can't right. even really take selfies without feeling like an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> um, and, and I was like feeling it and the light was so gorgeous and it was amazing. And then I literally was like feeling good. And then I took three steps and no joke, there was a piece of a cardboard box on the sidewalk, like flat with a giant dead pigeon on it. Sure. And then in spray paint on the wall, 666. (laughs) The sign of the devs. The sign of the devs. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, why? (laughs) Why? Can I ask you this? How is like a freelance Satanist, how can they even afford to live in Manhattan? (laughs) I have no like, idea. Like a like a DIY devil worshiper. Please, freelance Satanist, Casey. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> but I also was just like, was this um, was this like an opportunistic Satanist? Was this a pigeon? Yeah, they just found roadkill, and they were like, you had, know what? Yes. Let me brand it for the devil. 
Because there are a lot of buildings around where I am that are a lot of glass and like new buildings. Mm. And so you can imagine that it was an accidental Mm -hmm. pigeon death. That then I thought, but then I thought, well, maybe not. Maybe the maybe the Satanists killed the pit. I don't know. Right. Regardless, that is New York to me <laughs> in and like a perfect encapsulation. Such a nut. Wait, what Lizzie. did you do after that? Because I feel like that would change the trajectory of my day. Yeah. Like whatever I was gonna do next, mm-hmm. I would not do next. All bets are you know off. <laughs> you know what? I gotta be honest. I a little bit was like. Do we just disassociate this moment and keep going? And I had been deciding between two different things. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go home and order nachos and hang yeah, out with yeah. my, hang yeah. out with my 10 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. <laughs> and I showed her co-op, which is the, from the documentary now. Have you guys watched? Oh. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. I'm dying to watch it. This one looks. You okay, have to I'm watch write it. it down right now. I will document. Co-op now. is my favorite Co-op. documentary now ever. Okay. It's so good. It's so mean I'm to rent, it right? It's not rent. It's um no, it's uh what is it? What is it parodying? Uh one for a uh, musical cast recording from was, I think it was a Fosse musical from the 70s. Oh, okay. All right. Um I just assumed. <laughs> no, but Gosh. but two of my friends, uh, Renee, Elise Goldsberry, and uh, Paula Pell are in co-op, and um, oh, company. It's the it's the oh, parody company. of Company, right? Gotcha, right, right, right. gotcha. Okay. Um, of the of the documentary, the original cast album, Company. Um, it is. It's so good. You guys have to. Watch. You oh just gosh. have to watch it. Anyway, I will. Well, you're from Chicago, though, Samantha. I mean, you love. You adore Chicago, but it's. I do. Oh, people from Chicago fucking love Chicago. <laughs> it's true. It's Such pride. It's because we get. It's because we get left out of like the nice city talk. You know, it's like, well, there's New York, of course, the center yeah. of the universe, and then there's Los Angeles, which is so beautiful, and all the beautiful people are there and then it's like chicago you know? <laughs> like, like, they eat hot dogs and yell about parking and it's like are it's nice <laughs> we're very nice people really like if you're from chicago it's a real thing where are you from in chicago i am actually from evanston which is just north of chicago it's where sure, northwestern North is Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the best place to grow up. Well, it was for me. Um, yeah. And I I am a suburban person. Like, I feel like you're not supposed to claim that, but I love a parking lot. I love Ma'am. a strip mall. Yeah. yeah. That is my, that is who, that is who she is in her soul. <laughs> yes. I am full suburban. Like, the... Casey knows this, our listeners know this, the the hardest thing for me in moving to New York City is grocery shopping because yep. I don't understand. And the first how time I went. It? Like for real, how do you do it? Well, terribly is the <laughs> answer. But like, I don't, it's still also like produce is so bad in the city and then everything goes bad. Although I'm like slowly figuring it out. We have an avocado guy now. Okay. <laughs> in the avocado district, do you have an avocado? No, we just, it's a guy. His name is Dave, and I call him Davocado. <laughs> but, but, 
<laughs> and he like has this business where he gets, I don't even, I don't know. He like gets avocados straight from the source. Jason Mraz. Like, yes. Jason Mraz is the source of avocados. Is that what you're saying? Is that he your owns in- an avocado farm? I just Does he really? assume that the best avocados come from Jason Mraz. When he but picks them, does he put he them in his hat? He sings to them. Yeah, he sings sexy songs to them. <laughs> and he puts them in his fedora <laughs> to ferry them on their way. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, I've got the avocado guy mm-hmm. now. I know that, um, what's that place? The, the like Italian market in Union. No, not Union. In um, Italy? Yeah, Italy. I know that the Italy grocery store has like, really good produce, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. But that's, okay. like, impossible to get up there. But when I do, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to get some berries. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, yeah, then mostly I just order food in. Yeah. yeah. Chicago's yeah. sounding better and better. You don't have to go around getting the best condiments for your hot dog there. I know. Wait, do you, live, do you live in Chicago now? No, I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is... That's where my wife lived, and she has kids, and it's cheaper here. So she won the, where are we moving in together? <laughs> I, I, really Kalamazoo. How I, do you- I really didn't have a leg to stand on. See, if you come here, we're in the fruit belt, and, oh. like, you just pick cherries and blueberries. I love and it. Your apples, whatever you want. We'll take you to the farm. You'll go picking. You'll enjoy food that you pick. I don't do that, but I like knowing that it's happening around me. You could. But really, the, like, pull up to the grocery store, park your car, and go in is amazing. And I want that for you. How long do you have have to be in New York? Well, here's the thing. My older daughter is going to boarding school next year. Okay. Um, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh my, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Per her, everything per her. She Great. did the research, found an international school, found a place. We went and visited it. That's amazing. Yeah. It's as it's getting closer and closer. I'm, I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to deal with it. But when yeah. she comes I, back, she'll be a wizard. <laughs> she might be. <laughs> I mean, legit. Isn't she already though? Maybe. Yes. You know is. what I mean? Yes. Um, so I, I feel like staying on the East coast makes sense since she'll be in Europe, mm-hmm. but I really want to go back to the West coast where I have friends and there's sunshine <laughs> and produce at the Hollywood farmer's market that isn't going to yes. cost $20 a barrel of blueberries. I mean, now, Samantha, can, you have lived on get you out. I don't You've know. lived on the West Coast, right? That's true. You, Briefly, be- just for a couple of months when I was working on Shrill. And I got to tell you, I loved it. I love LA. I'm not, like, I'm deeply Midwestern. But if I had to choose between LA and New York, LA a thousand times. Everyone is well, nice. It's the, yeah, it's the closest to the Midwest. <laughs> I don't care if it's fake nice. Everyone is nice because they don't know, like, if you're a producer or what. Because <laughs> you can, like, look like shit and still have a fancy A hundred percent. And so everyone's just nice to you because they don't want to, like, fuck up their potential to be in a movie. And as long as you don't tell them 
exactly how low you are. <laughs> you have a great time. Wait, I have amazing. never had a bad time in LA. I've been to LA a bunch of times and it's always great. I love it. I remember I remember when you were working on Shrill because I feel like I can't I was in LA and I tried to like link up with you and it didn't work out. I always whenever anyone's coming on the show that I feel like I'm an internet friend with or whatever, I mm-hmm. always like to go back and see if I can find like our last exchange or whatever and see what the temperature of that exchange oh was. My God. And I just found a message from you that said, I like Andy Cohen's teeth. <laughs> 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 I was At like, least he'd be it so wasn't flattered. Amazing. I think he'd be so flattered by that. I, pr- he d- I doesn't he? He has great teeth. Yes, I think I he, agree. Has he has good teeth. Smile, but he's like, you have a great smile. I love a great smile. Thank See? you. I agree with. I agree with that. I saw Andy at a park with his kids the other day. I like. Uh, we, I, I like walked past him, but I didn't. He was in the middle of parenting, and I was like, I'm not gonna say hi. I just was gonna let him parent. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't. Cause I know I've been there. And when, and then also when you see someone who's not parenting in that moment and you are currently parenting, you hate that person more than anything <laughs> in the world, because all you want to do is be not parenting in that, just, yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Especially just going about your business. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Playgrounds are hard. Here's a good question. I feel like for you, Samantha, you're a stepmom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You write about about it it. in the book. You write about it in in your new book. And I think it's so funny because it's so honest. And I just really appreciate it. Because as someone who has never been a stepmom but has had a stepmom, I was like, Mm. it really just made me think of, like, how she was probably like, oh, God, I have to, like, try with this girl, you know? Tell us a little bit what it's like. Okay, so now they are 15 and 17, which is just, you know, and we, we all did this, but still somehow I find it unacceptable. The like, I'm an adult. I know more than you know of it's it. It's unbelievable. All. It's unbelievable. I, how do you, I mean, and I can't, like, they're not my kids, so I can't, you really get into it with them, right? <laughs> So I just am like, I'm like, oh, you're so, you're so grown. Pay your phone bill. You're so grown. Put some grocery. And it's like, I can hear myself like becoming a person I don't want to be and never planned <laughs> to be because I never planned to have any children. But now I'm saying all the stereotypical stuff. It just rolls right off my tongue. Isn't I'm it like, wild oh. how it just happens? And you don't, yes. you don't like, if you're not consciously trying to make it not happen, it is like yep. instantaneous. Yes. I just am like all the, all things I didn't even know I knew I'm saying now to these kids, but it's, you know, what's trippy is that I live with them. I ostensibly take care of them, but I don't, I'm not doing the actual raising, right? Like right. if one of these kids want to go to boarding school, I don't get a vote, you know, right, like right, if, right. That's if interesting. there's, I don't know about their medical care or like really the, the like parents make so many decisions. But your wife I, doesn't talk to you about 
like that kind of stuff? Like, should we, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. No. You know? Yeah. I, and I don't know if it's because she doesn't want to, or because I've said I would like to be sort of adjacent to the parenting. <laughs> I will enforce any rules that you make, but they have a dad too, right? So they're, they have two people who are in charge of what they're going to like do as people out in the world. I try to like make them cool, right? I'm like, let's watch this uh, horror movie that your mom won't let you watch. Here's a, here's a Kendrick Lamar album. <laughs> Listen to that. So like I have that kind of impact, but because I don't do the raising, I feel, I feel less parental, which is a, which is a feeling I prefer, right? When, like I find that it's better to just be sort of watching the parenting and then dipping in as needed. I actually how, really, how, I appreciate that. I, so I really much. appreciate it because, like, the last thing a fucking teenager wants is like an extra parent. You know oh, what I mean? God. Like, what a nightmare! Yeah. Wait, wait, and, and how old? Them, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I can't remember how old they were. They were five and seven when I met them. Pretty so little. I've been with yeah. them. Yeah. For so long, but I honestly, I think I don't, you know how people have like all these opinions on child rearing and then you're like, oh, well, what did you do with your kids? And they're like, oh, I don't have any. That could not be me. I feel like (laughs) you planned for a kid. Yeah. You knew what you wanted to do with that kid. You knew if you want to take them to church or if you wanted them to be vegetarian, right? These are all things that parents have thought about that I have not and don't want to. So I'm perfectly happy to sort of exist along alongside them. And we're very close. And I think that's part of why is because they know I'm an adult they can depend on to right. care of them I'll whatever they need I'll get it like all that but then uh, there's I'm never gonna be like so you got a d huh I'm never <laughs> even gonna know about the d <laughs> so. I love it it's like the it's like a mom with like Ant energy, like perfect ant yeah. energy. It's like a mom ant hybrid. I think it sounds yeah. like a dream yes. come true. But it's yeah. actually, it's actually, I don't know. Like I can imagine that for it's really impressive you're able to do it. Cause I would imagine for a lot of people that would be difficult to actually follow through on not mm-hmm. getting involved mm-hmm. in with ideas of your own, yeah. of how things could be, even just as a witness to it, thinking like, well, you know what might work better than what you have decided you're doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think it's super impressive that you've been able to remain in that lane. I think part of it is because I was raised by like psychos, right? So I <laughs> sure. don't... Whenever I have the feeling that's like, well, that's what I would do, then I am very good about immediately following up, following it up with, is that something my psychotic father would do? Right. Probably. You know, because I'm very, and like, I never say it to them, but I will say to my wife, like, why don't you take blank away? You know, like. Well, he's doing this. We'll take X. We we know like what he has. We bought it. Take it for a week. 
And she is not punitive in that way. Uh Right. And so I just have to be like, if it was me, that Xbox would be in the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) But I just keep it in because like, I'm pretty sure that's like not the way you should do it. And since I don't have any expertise, I don't weigh in. But in my mind, I'm redoing everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we should say also shout out to your wife, Kirsten, because she's raising these kids and like you guys are making it work. And it sounds like it really works for you. And I I just really admire everything you have going on. I think that you. you. And the kids are, are like cool and busy they sound really cool cool kids yeah it's like it i think part of it too is like you don't really have to step in when your kids are like smart and dope and like making you know not always the best (laughs) but generally making good choices it's very easy to be like oh this situation doesn't need me they're they're good people. And I think that's that has made sort of my position of adjacent parenting yeah. easy because it's like, well, they're not fucked up. So <laughs> I don't want to get in there and fuck them up. You know? Yeah, I, j- I think it's so great. And I just it sounds like they're just growing up to be themselves. And yeah. like over the years, I've enjoyed hearing about them. And I I think that's like. Huge, you know, because so many parents really do want to get in there and make, you know, make an impression, make their mark. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, gosh, it's a lot. And an extra parent is a lot. So I just appreciate it. I feel like you and Busy have so much in common because of your irritable bowel situation. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like you and— My sister. My My sister. You guys. (laughs) You guys, I was attacked this—the last, like, uh, two days— at the Taylor Swift concert. Oh no! Oh, but I made it. Shits? I made yeah. I got the Swift shits, but I made it home. Thank God. I didn't have to. I didn't have to have IBS in the um, MetLife Stadium, which is I'm, I was grateful for. Grateful yeah. for that small joy. Yeah, but um, I clenched up for you just now because it was that brutal. It's a nightmare at it's a, a nightmare. big event. Yeah, it was a nightmare. And like, I was like, at toward the end, I was like sitting on the arm of the seat and just pressing into my left side so hard because I'm like, mm. oh God, that's where my colon is spastic when it is oh. spastic. And so I was just like pressing in like, oh God, oh God, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I can do it. Um, but like, it's weird when you live with a thing like that, that yeah, you kind of like, I, I don't know. I just knew I'm like, I'm just going to roll uh-huh. with this and like, I'll make it. I know I can make it. Mm-hmm. How yep. long have you had your stomach issues? They got really bad, like bad enough for me. I think as a kid, I've always had, you know, what people who don't want to take you to the doctor call like a sensitive stomach. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Like, don't put too much cheese in that. She has a sensitive stomach when it's like, just take me, get me a GI dude, okay? <laughs> Figure, come on. <laughs> Um, but in 2008, I got uh, my intestine swelled and twisted like a pretzel. And I was oh, in no. the hospital for two weeks while oh, they no. shrank it down. And that was sort of the beginning of the shit journey. That's so which, scary, too. 
It is. It's terrifying. And everything in your gut, I mean, you know this, but it's so hard to reach, right? right? Like the tests you have to get to figure out what's going on Not in fun. the place where yeah. nothing can reach. <laughs> they're all horrible. They're all horrible. And they're all like, you know, we're eighty percent sure you have. It's I've never gotten a definitive like. Well, that's yes. IBS isn't really even anything. It's just I like mean, it's irritable bowels. It it's doesn't literally have... being like your your tummy has a bad attitude. Yeah, you know exactly. Like it's, it's a cranky tummy, irritable. Yeah, the best it's like a toddler inside you. <laughs> the best, fits. like the most success I've ever had was is the diagnosis of like. Food sensitivities paired with my Ehlers-Danlos, which I have. And so, like— Oh, you do. Oh, yeah. I, my, one of my best friends has that. So, and Casey has it. We which both is have it. Wow. I bet you. I bet you have it, Samantha. I bet you you <laughs> have sure it. I bet you. I bet you you have it. Anyway, like, so that, for me, and I went to this really incredible allergist— who just mm-hmm. who explained allergies as cumulative in your system. And so there's environmental, there's chemical, and then there's food allergies or sensitivities. But and your your immune system can handle things to a certain point. And then once that like cup flows over, then you're gonna get like symptoms. So it could be you just have to figure out what the variables are. And he's like, for most people, the thing that's the easiest to control is food because Mm -hmm. you can't really do anything about environmental or chemical in our world, you know, at this point. Like the only thing you could do is like get away from people who smoke cigarettes. Sure. That's the only like environmental factor you can kind of control. Right, but we're still like not even sure, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, where that toxic cloud from the train derailment ended up. Like we're <laughs> right. like we're living with such toxicity in our mm-hmm. environment that it that part of our systems is probably almost filled up the always. Yeah. So like our immune system is probably always fighting, battling, trying to make sure that we're just gonna make it through. Oh and my it's god. Crazy. Sam, there's uh, an essay in this new book about an allergic reaction that you have. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. It was fucking harrowing. And was- I say this as someone that, like, I've had an allergic reaction or two in my time. I had one at the um, Elizabeth Arden Red Door Salon Stop one it. time. I when remember, I was- and they made you oh, go no. out the back. They made me Didn't- go out the back because I looked like Quasimodo. They made me take a shower and leave through the back. <laughs> Through That's the back insane. door. But it wasn't like I didn't go to the hospital. I just, you know, took some some uh Benadryls. But this was <laughs> this was harrowing. Was this a unique experience? Have you had other allergic reactions before? Never. Never had. I couldn't believe that like 42 years old, I was having a new experience. (laughs) (laughs) No one can ever prepare you for a new experience. Uh, It was some probiotics, they think. That's, again, it's hard to narrow down. But I had taken them because I had a, like what I call like a queasy, like, you know, that greasy stomach feeling that's like at some point in the night. Canary in your coal mine. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I was going to say a bullet in the chamber, but that's even better. A canary in my coma. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to be proactive and, like, take probiotics, and this is going to be great. I go upstairs. I'm taking off some nail polish, sitting on the toilet, pants down. And I was like, oh, man, I feel so weird still taking off this nail polish, like acetone fumes, the whole thing. See, this is what I'm saying. Cumulative, cumulative. Uh huh. And then I I was like, okay, my diary is going to come out. And it did, but then I felt this blood rushing to my head. Oh God. Oh God. That's a that's a new experience. And then it felt like like someone was like pouring like jelly into my face. I could feel it like you know, you know, when you're lip filling up, you feel the stretching. Yes, that filling up feeling. And I was like, huh. This feels weird. Oh, my eyes are itchy. Oh, that's weird. And I stood up and looked in the mirror and I looked like Joe Camel. Just the whole bottom of my face was just like out several inches. And so my wife was asleep and I was like, (laughs) I knocked on the door and I was like, Kirsten, something is happening. (laughs) Like, and I... I generally have a jokey tone all the time. You know, I'm very, like, whatever. But I have one serious tone, and I pulled it out and was like, Kirsten, something's happening. She jumps up. We have a, like, our insurance has a nurse line that you can call right. like, to determine you know, how bad your problem is. and How I, much you're dying. <laughs> we called... And so because Kirsten wasn't the patient, she had to bring the phone to me and she's the nurse is on speakerphone and she's like, Samantha, can you speak? And I was like, God, oh my God. I'm laughing now because you're alive, but that must have been so fucking scary. Also, like, did you have an, do you have an EpiPen at your house? I didn't then. Now I have several because nothing had ever happened to me before that like, a Benadryl or like a Zyrtec Zantac combination couldn't fix. So Oy. I resisted. The nurse said to call an ambulance immediately because it was, we were in the middle of a snowstorm. And I was like, oh, this is this is melodramatic. I don't need an ambulance. <laughs> I love that you like are in the middle of your face swelling so much that you couldn't speak. Like need like you're throat was about to close like and you're you like, never I saw can do my it. girl I can do it I can just do it let's not be hysterical <laughs> I can make it but we <laughs> no my so we go jump in the car my wife drops me because it was like during a part of COVID when if you go to the emergency room <sighs> it's oh you by yourself so I was like I can't believe I'm gonna die in Kalamazoo, Michigan, alone. <laughs> like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. And so I get in, I stood in line and waited to check in. I'm like heaving, like he bring like a donkey. And finally, I'd moved my mask away <sighs> from my face, and the nurse like screamed and flew back. And this other nurse comes around with a wheelchair and is like running me down the hall. It was so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I do love being able to skip a line. I am going to oh, say that. I, mean, I do love that. I do I love. Like, I will. If you, if you identify what it is that did this to me, I'm going to take a little bit of this every time I have like. Wait. You know, so did you bring or whatever? Did you bring the probiotics in question to the hospital? No, because I didn't know. I didn't know. That's what. It was. I couldn't. Did you go through everything like in your head? Yes. So while, okay. So when you go in for something like that, that first of all, you get like every doctor on the floor, which was really great. I was like, oh. Again, thrilling. Again, I like this. (laughs) You're a star. Like, oh, this is so six people. For me, oh my God. So they like, I'm on this table and there's like big surgery lights. It's not like the usual kind of room. And like, there's a nurse jabbing me with an EpiPen. There's another nurse jabbing me with steroids. And then the doctor trying to intubate me. And I couldn't stop making jokes. Like, I think the thing I learned about myself is how deeply unserious I am. He's like trying to get the tube in. And I was like fighting him, trying to make a joke about like not having sucked a dick in a while. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And he's like, ma'am, ma'am. Yes. Girl, he for real was like, shut the, like, you're going to die. Stop (laughs) Stop it. And I'm like, no, you know, I haven't had a... And he's like, shut up. So I think that was the most embarrassing. I was like, I don't have a serious switch. I don't. You're also just like, what is this this thing where I'm trying to make everyone around me comfortable and laugh even as I'm in the throes of death? And it's making them uncomfortable. And they don't like it. They don't. Yeah, they don't like it. Oh wait! Please speak for me. You know when what I is this horribly dislocated to make my people love love us. I, I mean, I hate it. Tell it's, me it's because like we didn't get enough love in our childhood. Trauma. It's a trauma response. Um, when I horribly dislocated my knee when I was like twenty one. I remember, and I was really drunk too, and in Wilmington, North Carolina, on Dawson's Creek at the time. Um. And I remember trying to make a joke to the paramedics as they were wheeling me out of the bar <laughs> with my horribly oh my dislocated God. knee. And I was trying to make a joke about like, not watch the face. It's the moneymaker. <laughs> and I remember looking at this paramedic and the paramedic looking at me and him, and him just going like, no, no, <laughs> just no, stop. That's crushing to me. Yes. I'm sure it was I was devastated. I was so embarrassed. That was to me more embarrassing than yes. any of the rest of it. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Getting your please like me joke swatted back at you, fate worse than death. Would rather die than like watch someone rejecting my like aren't I funny joke here's what I'm gonna say time. though here's what I'm gonna say to all of these health professionals on behalf of we women who uh have a trauma response that is like joking or whatever how many times have we all fake laughed at some dude making a joke and being yeah, like <laughs> good point <laughs> like just Every give it to time. us just fake laugh yeah. and be like, okay, we're going to settle down now. 
Right, you yeah. know, that was very it funny. It costs but nothing to give us that. Just give it us a really little fake doesn't. laugh in the moment and, uh-huh, you know. Just flash a smile and put the oxygen over yeah. my face we'll, so I can't bother you We'll anymore. be unconscious Please. soon. We'll be. <laughs> Here's what I want to. My favorite part of that chapter is when you talked about a guy that you worked with that was an EpiPen guy and how he was always trying to work it into conversation. My curiosity is what kind of EpiPen person have you become now that you have of EpiPens. One who uh, can't remember where they are. So (laughs) if it happens again, I will have to turn everything upside down. Oh my God. Just tape it. Tape it to yourself. Just the worst. Just the worst. But I can't be a person who's like, oh, excuse me. Uh, is there room for my EpiPen on this flight? You no, know what I mean? of like, course We not. all know people like not. that. Yes, yes, like, yes. Get out of here. <laughs> I, I worked with a guy who was an EpiPen guy, and he just used it like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, he was always—I would always turn around and just see him, like, popping a piece of chocolate from a box of assorted chocolates into his mouth and then hit the deck, like, two seconds late. And I was like, dude, I can't keep saving your life. Like, I didn't sign up to be a first responder to all of your... Like, he wouldn't pay attention to what things were and if it was bad for him because he yeah. was like, oh, I've got the EpiPen, so... Yeah, don't worry. All the all the people that work in this office with me will save my life again. And I was like, you No, to- you gotta let them die. Like, after the <laughs> second or third one of those... <laughs> Goodbye, sir. Yeah, you're done. I agree. I agree with that. You knew that had peanuts in it. Fuck you. Goodbye. See you at the funeral. I agree. Uh, if it's not your, like, if it's if it's truly, I mean, I have a friend who has a very deathly allergy to egg whites and was oh my God. truly, oh God. and because of that, doesn't get mixed drinks in bars. Because oh, right. Because they, sometimes foamy because egg whites. Foamy egg whites for, what is that drink? A sludging fizz? Gross. Who yeah, wants a fucking egg white in a drink? Egg white drink. That's gross. I mean, Who would listen, want that? Th- because anyway. whenever they invented that drink, there was not, there were no ingredients and there was no nothing to do. You know what I mean? Like they're just like, we're gonna make they're some like, shit it's, out of it. It's the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Exactly. I love right? that thirties voice. <laughs> Isn't that what people talked like in the 30s? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, see? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, We're just going to foam up some egg whites. Here we go. And with gin, it's going to be delicious. Anyway, he had like at a bar, I think that he learned the hard way. Right. So mm-hmm. he only will drink wine or a beer from a bottle at a oh bar because he's like, I can't trust that. It, mm-hmm. There won't be like remnants, whatever, because he had an aller- crazy oh, allergic, allergic reaction terrifying. at a bar once and had to be see that kind of flown thing out. I get and is fine, and I will administer the epipen. It's the like habitual line steppers, sure, like sure, sure. your office mate. Yeah, who at like the really the fourth time I'm like, you know what? He has a better office than I do. Yeah. <laughs> If because he, does, he needs the I'm refrigerator just, for I'm the moving EpiPen. two doors yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Hope goodbye. those peanuts were good, mister. Oh, green pan. I cleaned my little green pan yesterday. <laughs> I did. I did clean my little green pan yesterday because I made Bertie the best French toast. Oh, I love that. 
It's so easy to clean. It is so easy to clean. But I also love that like they have figured out a way to make a nonstick pan that is not toxic. Yes. Without forever chemicals. Yes. Listen, Green Pan introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware and they have over 150 patents to prove it. They're the leaders in creating cookware without harmful toxins. Why does making cookware with ceramic matter? Well, because it doesn't emit fumes when it's cooked, because it conducts heat evenly, because it's super easy to clean up. My French toast is a perfect example of that. (laughs) And it allows you to cook with less oil or butter. Also, my French toast, a great example of that. Making the foods you cook a little bit healthier. (laughs) if that's what you're going for. And aside from various cookware collections, they also have kitchen appliances like slow cookers and waffle makers, and they have bakeware and premier cutlery that's crafted from recycled steel. Which you know I love because I love how cute it is, and I just like my whole kitchen to look cute. I'm in love with everything. Well, one thing that I love is that like all my pans look cute together, and I have a little hanging thing for my pans here in New York, and they look so cute hanging. They're just like, adorable because they're it. all like this cute little blue color and <laughs> it looks great. I just love it. And then I also love the fact that I'm like not killing myself with toxic chemicals when I'm cooking. Um, <laughs> guys, it's 2023. Are you still cooking with pans made out of plastic? Please don't. Head to greenpan.us and use promo code BEST. And you're going to receive 30% off your entire order, plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right. I said it. 30% off. Whether you're buying one pan or a whole set, it's 30% off. So head to greenpan.us and make sure you use our promo code BEST. Sakara Life. I am so excited to get back to Saqqara life because I have to be honest, when I was away in Cape Cod, I just really ate like a toddler with a credit card. I was going to ask you, so when you've been away from your home for a few weeks, I, especially like living in a hotel as you've been doing, yeah, I think that for me, when I return home, I almost always go back to at least like a week of reset yeah. and I do, uh, I do a Saqqara Life like delivery because I know it's a nutrition program that's like having a nutritionist and a chef. The meals are delicious and they show up ready to eat and right to your door. So you don't have to worry about prep and cooking and you can just like focus on unpacking and getting back to your life and all the things that you have to do. But you know, you're going to like get back to feeling good and like yes. get over your jet lag and like, you, you know what I mean? And get more energy. 100% and- described my life and and what, why Sakara is going to play an important part in the next several days. Also the digestion alone. Like for me, Sakara is so helpful when I feel like um, I've been traveling and my digestion has been like a little wonky. Right. Um, I love getting Sakara meals delivered because they just, it just helps get my like whole system sort of back on. 
track. Yeah. It's like my favorite. I really love it. I've been doing it for years. You guys know this. Literally long before we had a podcast, I was eating my like kelp noodles and Saqqara life, drinking my Saqqara life tea um, at Busy Tonight. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Um, And we're so grateful for them to be sponsors of our show because then we can share it with you guys. And the food is really delicious. So whether your goals are like me, just getting like my guts back together after traveling, or if you're interested in weight management or clearer skin or having more energy. I will say one week after, like one week of doing Saqqara and your skin, people will actually stop you in the street and be like, (laughs) what do you do? What do you put on your skin? You're like, I just am eating this like plant-based diet that is comes to my door and is super easy and delicious. Yeah. And then you're going to be a spokesperson, essentially, <laughs> is what I'm going to tell you. Anyway, Sakara, we've said it. It delivers science-backed, plant-rich nutrition programs, wellness essentials right to your door. They're ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners, that's you, 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash best or enter code best at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash best to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash best. Um, wait, Samantha, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you have your own imprint at this point? What are you doing? What's no. happening? Don't what you feel you... like you should? <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. My agent was like, you want an imprint? We could get that for you. And I was like, you know, then I would have to read all of the books. And what if I, what if they're not books I want to read? Okay. I would this start an imprint to like, give my friends book deals, but then when they didn't sell, I would look like a fucking asshole. So I'm (laughs) never doing that. (laughs) By the way, I think that uh, truly a lot of times we're, it's just the best in the road to hell is paved with the best intentions. I just think that helping out friends frequently own like in, I mean, in some, it it can, mm, It's It's only ever fucking hurt me. It's only ever hurt me (laughs) is what I'm going to say. It's only ever ended up with me being like, oh, well, that wasn't Uh cool. It's always bad. uh, And I won't do it. I feel like (laughs) having an imprint would be so much work, right? That, as you would say, is not your ministry. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Correct. I am mostly... Just trying to read other people's books and like post them on Instagram so people know that I can read. But (laughs) the idea of an imprint, like it does sound good, right? If it was like Samantha Irby books presents, yeah. You, you should. Know, I would. Like, I James have to tell Patterson you, I, it. He, doesn't he like farm out everything? Like James Patterson. Like I'll yes. apply to like write your next book. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'll. I'll okay, you guys. Sounds and like then, uh, we're gonna start an imprint together. <laughs> and then, I mean, if I were Casey, would be the best at running an imprint. You would be. You'd be so good at it. <laughs> Thank Don't you, you think, Casey? 
I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting, but I also think it'd be a ton of work. Like Phoebe Robinson does it, and yeah, she yeah. really like throws her all into like I know, running that that's imprint. True. That's I just true. We talked about it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, like Trump steaks. You know what I mean? We know he didn't farm those steaks. You know, you <laughs> no, just put some in the urban, You just put your name on it, and like you don't have yeah, to do all the work. But then, what if the book sucks, and then I'm. Then you're like, I just, then you're fucking Then you say, I just put my name (laughs) on it. I didn't know what that fucking book was. I never saw it in my life. (laughs) I'll be like, this is actually a shell company. (laughs) I don't even really know what that means, but that's what I would say to have people not be mad at me for publishing. Yeah. You're like, we were trying something new. It was experimental. Mm -hmm. Didn't work. Didn't work. But also, I imagine you would get to read it before it came out. Yeah, but that's so you wouldn't, a lot of work. That's yeah, right, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. I got it. If we could do a very limited, like, release yeah. schedule, you know what I mean? Like, three books a year. All right. Right? I mean, I'm in. Okay. Yeah. I think it, well, all right. We're, I'm gonna. Do I do it. think that your branding is so strong, and I hate yeah, to say that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I hate I was to say, say that, that because it's I agree. so corny and gross and like inside baseball. <laughs> but like the covers of your books, I in just just everything. I do think it so strong that people would love to be part of something that like you were at the helm of. But I also love how how carefully managed your ambition is. You're like, this is what I have the energy for. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to like become a captain of industry. Yeah, no, I feel like, I mean, I think, Casey, I think you know for sure that like, I am very honest about where my education stopped and my capacity for absorbing new things and getting really good at them, or at least my desire to. I'm sure I have the capacity. And I don't. I'm like, this works. I'm going to keep doing this thing that works until they kick me out. But can I just say, like, do you think that, any white man of similar ilk would have that thought at all? He wouldn't. No, no busy. You are so right. And it's so funny. I am very successful, which feels like weird to say, but it's true. And like, I see people at least commercially successful and I see people with way less commercial success doing more. But then I wonder if I tried to do more, would I like drop the ball on something else? And right. maybe that's a cop out. I don't know. I don't know. But the also the truth is that men get forgiven right. much easier, yeah. Yeah. especially right. than oh. women, not to mention black queer yeah. women. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, if, if you I fucked up, can I? Okay. This, I'm going to say this in the least. I I mean this with no arrogance at all, but like I did well for my publisher, Mm -hmm. right? They were surprised. Then I continued to do well. And then they started giving, like they started a whole like original like offshoot because they mostly did reprints because I had done so well. So lots of people getting opportunities and that's the shit I love, right? Right, yes. It's so great 
but there also is like the pressure of needing to like continue to be good. Right. And like, I, I feel if I were to bite off more than I could chew, Mm -hmm. not only would I like kind of look like a fool, but also does that negate the things I've done? Like, does the story then become, yeah, she, you know, she had a couple of bestsellers, but like, look how she fucked up that imprint. Right. And I am, I'm scared to fuck up because you don't get, a lot of times right. you don't get another chance. Especially, you know? yeah. Well, As, I also yeah. think, yeah. speaking of women, women of color, queer women, all of those things mm-hmm. that we're mentioning, I also think sometimes you fuck up and not only do you fuck up your own opportunity, but you fuck it up for the next person that might, because they're going to be like, yes. oh, we tried it. Remember, we tried it yeah. with that one person and it didn't work. I'm telling you, as soon as they announced that they were starting this program of like original writing and it was because I had been so successful. I don't hear that and think, God damn, I'm good. I hear that and think, well, I got to keep it up so that more people who wouldn't have had a shot at this before. Now I can think of, I think there are at least three like essay collections by women, one of whom is a lesbian that like vintage put out within the last couple of years. Yeah. That they probably wouldn't have if I hadn't like had so much success for them. And that feels great, but also like, well, now I really can't fuck up now that they're paying other people mm-hmm. to do the same right, thing right. based on what I've done. Right. It's, I, I, before today, have not sat down and really thought about that. But that's, yeah, there's a lot of pressure when you're, I mean, yes. you know, as women, yeah. when you yes. succeed, it's not just like you get to kick back and enjoy it. You have to one, like immediately start figuring out how to maintain it and then try to see who you can bring along with you or like who who else's boat gets lifted by your wave, right? right. And then it's like, well, now that their boats are up, I can't let them down. It's, it's a I lot. wish we could just like do shit and then be like, that's great. Look what I did. But yeah. like, you wish that we com- could just, like we do, we wish we could just do things like a mediocre white man <laughs> and like with the confidence that it'll always be there and then we'll keep getting chances. But we know, we know. <laughs> I get it. Like, I think that you and I have similar feelings about a lot of these things. And I think it makes sense because, like, without getting too deep, because we like to joke around, um, I think that you and I come from, like, not exactly the same place, but a similar place. Like, I think yeah. that that we have a lot in common um, in, in the way that we were raised. Uh, same, though, same. In many ways, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes for me, I'm like, I've already like succeeded beyond any expectation that I dared to ever have. Mm -hmm. So like, whatever, all that being said, long story long, I don't think you, Samantha Irby should ever be afraid to do anything that you want to do. 
I agree. Because, like, I... You two better stop it right now. I I told you, don't make me cry on here. I believe in you so strongly, and you've never not hit it out of the park. Okay, let me tell you, though, I did, as I wrote about in the book, try to make (laughs) a show out of my book. And then I couldn't even write about this. I just had another pilot. I was in development with Sony for a couple of years and that went away. Uh, Well, it didn't go away. They were like, uh, we're not doing half hour comedies anymore. Thanks for the last two years. I think I have not had success in that arena, which is like good, right? It keeps you humble. It keeps you working, so, like, I don't know what I I think there are things that I'm afraid to do, but also things that I'm like, well, let me try this. When this completely flames out, then I'll try right. the other thing. I feel like an imprint would be great when I've decided I'm never going to work on another <laughs> TV show. Well, no, I actually think I actually really appreciate that because I do think I've had a couple friends who have had like a lot of opportunities in across a couple different fields mm-hmm. and they end up kind of like boning all of them in mm-hmm. a weird, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it is, it is like, I really do believe in like focusing on what you, what you want and being really specific, you know? Mm-hmm. So if like mm-hmm. doing your own show, getting your own show on the air original show on the air is important to you, then I would focus on that for a period of time until you do it. And it never really was, right? (laughs) It it was, I I like the book thing, right? But but I also feel like when you have an opportunity, yeah, if someone presents you with an opportunity, like it's foolish to walk away from it. But I I did the, we did the pilot thing for 6 or 7 years and when it finally died I was like okay cool I'm going to work on other people's things like I am not passionate about having myself on TV like picked over Pe- I, I mean you know when yeah. you <laughs> when you <laughs> put something in a book it's like you know seven people might take issue with it cuz right. nobody fucking reads books uh if you put something on TV the entire working on it just like that like i knew what the internet was like of course but like when everybody hated that show that i think is just fine and great um i was like oh thank god i never got to expose my tender underbelly to this part of the internet that loves to rip apart a tv show so i think i think Sometimes my fear or my lack of passion for a thing has saved me some, you know, embarrassment. Like, I'm very good at knowing when to walk away or when something's done for me. I think that's super interesting. I think I hadn't really considered that because I learned so early that the internet is the meanest, most horrible thing I can't imagine what it's like for you. Not... Um, well, it wasn't great until I also decided that I don't, I, I don't subscribe to if you read all the good things, you have to read all the bad. Oh, and so, nothing. I mean, I think that's bullshit. And yes. so um, I, you know, really am able to keep my 
community very supportive online mm-hmm. in terms of my Instagram and yeah, Casey and too. my fans uh, of this podcast and stuff. And, and I feel like... You know, even like the critics when we when when our show when our late night talk show came out and there were some questionable, I mean, I don't know reviews of it. Yeah. Casey, and I, I love that like, show. Thank you. I kind of <gasps> like loved our reviews that were bad because it always they made me I like laugh some, because it was they were always some men guy was and like, they were just is, like this show baffling, is baffling, baffling to me and I was like yeah because it's not for you. Imagine how that. weird. Imagine one time something not being for you. Um, It was great. It was so intimate. Also, you know, I know Shantira, right? Like, that's my girl. Love her. That is my girl. Like, no, that's her. I want to get when I'm in LA. Chicago. Chicago. Mm -hmm. Chicago Chicago is so small. Samantha, (laughs) do you know that I was born in Oak Park? No. Wait. Yes, I do. It was in the book. But like yeah. it's not. I didn't the really live there. Mind. I didn't really live there. Okay, that's yeah. a, I don't. Oak I don't Park claim is like it. The Evanston of the South Side. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. But my parents both were um, raised met at Oak Park River Forest High School. Both of their families oh, no were there. No wonder I'm like, I like you. You're basically. I'm deep Chicago. Yeah, come on. Yeah, Parky's Parky's hat dogs. Um, <laughs> listen, I I do love I do love a fucking Chicago dog. I gotta say, bitch, really, we're gonna eat hot dogs together. I, I will. And I and then we're like, all gonna have diarrhea together. <laughs> you know what's weird though? I do feel like sometimes my like deep mid Midwesternness like comes through in a way that is unexpected, which is that like I could eat like two hot dogs and be fine. Yeah. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I yeah. could eat, I can eat shit sometimes yeah. and be totally yeah. fine and then go to a fancy <laughs> restaurant and be like laid out for three days. It'll take you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I cannot for the life of me figure out what happened the other night at what, what was yeah, it? What that, did you eat? Well, I don't know. I, I it was so or was violent. it stress? Was I think it stress, it was stress from the crowd. I think it was like, stress. So many people. I think it was totally stress induced, but also I talked about this a little bit on my Instagram. It was my ten year old's first big concert, and my oh. teenager and her best friend were sitting separately than us. So I was like freaked out about that. Mm-hmm. My ten year old had a total meltdown about how, like once it got dark, like how overwhelming the whole thing was. And I like spiraled about that because then I was just like, I can't, I we, I can't leave because the teenagers are here. Like I'm like, I just freaked out kind yep. of, but I was trying not to freak out in front of the 10 year old. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to be cool. And then thankfully there was like this, club that I think during regular football games or whatever is like a members only club or like for sweet people, people that own suites. But Mm -hmm. because it's a buyout event, the club was just like open to anyone, but people didn't realize that because it's a club. It says it's a club, you know? So we went in there, there were like seven people there and inside the club during the show. But it's like 
on the field and you can see there's like big windows so we could see Taylor Swift like through the windows but we couldn't hear really well like it was like very muffled (laughs) because I think during football games people go in there and they drink and like the football game Mm -hmm. is happening out on these big windows outside but it was just a very stressful so I didn't even really eat much that whole day I think it was I think it was more just the stress I was very stressed out about yeah everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It That's wasn't great. stressful. Yeah. Sometimes just the thought of not being able to go to the bathroom makes me want to go to the bathroom. Like if I'm, tra- mm. if I'm in the middle of a row at a play or something, it's right. like, I don't even have to go, but thinking about how awkward it would be for me to get up and go right. makes, is like so stressful that it makes me want to go. Oh my God, it's, you guys. I saw the best play the other night. Oh, what was that? Fucking insane. But it just made me think of it because it's a one woman show. There's no intermission and there's no late seating. And if you like get up and leave during the show, they don't let you come back. And the reason why this all made me think of it, and it's the most fucking intense shit I've seen on stage maybe ever, but. Whoa. Definitely in years. It's called Prima Facci, and it stars Jodie Comer from... Oh, yeah. Oh, I love her. Mm-hmm. But it's also Fleet Week here. There was, <laughs> uh, there was a gentleman who I th- believe was like an officer from yeah, his... An officer and a gentleman. Notorious no, I think he, theater okay, fan. No, but he was... <laughs> It was a, it was, he was an officer, gentle, he was a gentleman who was, okay, he was older. He wasn't like the usual Fleet Week seven, He didn't have like a old. Mr. Salty just, hat on, no, Sailor hat. he was like yeah. literally in like Captain Garb, but like okay. full white, full white dress outfit from yeah. the, mm-hmm. you know, and very tall man, like sure. presence this man had, and fucking... I don't, I guess he didn't even know, or I don't know what happened, but he was like down like six rows back in the dead center. And then like at one of the transitions in the show, he like got up and like went out to the bathroom. And because the show is super intense and is about sexual assault, I was like, oh my God, that is so bold of him to like, like he just really must have some experience that he can't. But then I did just see him at the at the end. He was just standing in the back because they wouldn't let him go back to his seat. They wouldn't but, let him. Oh, good. I mean, but maybe he had bathroom anxiety. I don't know. I also have a theory, and this is such the a reason I don't get on a ship. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this is a sweeping generalization, but when I went to see the first Wonder Woman movie, which was like exciting for people, and it was a superhero movie, so everybody went, and it was a packed theater. No guy in that theater sat down throughout the entire movie. They just got up and milled around like it was a bazaar or something. What? And I was like, I have, I'm just saying, I don't know if the officer and the gentleman had that vibe, but I think sometimes <laughs> men get uncomfortable when something is so woman forward and if it has any intensity whatsoever. And they're just like, I'm just gonna like, walk around. I'm going to go get snacks. I'm going to go to, the, like, it's their house or something. I don't know. Oh, it's just that's, my theory. That's, how yeah. that's how they yeah. disassociate. Yeah. That's how they disassociate. They're like, yeah. I can't see women as people. Yeah. <laughs> so I Which, have to get 
in that guy's defense, maybe it gave him diarrhea. Watch them without arguing. Yeah. Yeah. No way. See you by the popcorn. That was just a really intense play, though. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been upset with any person who needed to leave because it was tap out. It is. They do. They they give a trigger warning. Yeah. Both in the program and they they say it over the loudspeakers when they tell you to turn your phone off. Oh, but interesting. It's really like one of the greatest performances I've ever seen ever wow. in my life. Yeah, she's really talented. Jody I Palmer's had no really idea. Talented. I mean, I just watched that first season of Killing Eve. Right. And then I dropped out because you know how I do. Yeah. You got it. I don't you even think I watched. I don't even think I, I was like, I get, I know what this is. I get it. I get it. I'm good. I, I was like, know I, what this I know what this are you is. A, are you a show quitter, Sam? Um, yes, but I'm more of a, I don't get past a couple episodes if I don't think it's for me. Because I will love, I will love a show. And yeah. then and and then I'll just stop after three episodes. I will be like Busy, so fucking what? invested, and then I'm just like I don't know. I'm not. You never, never think about it later. No, not at this point in my life. No. Wow. And so you just walk. You're like, man, those three episodes were good. Fuck Wait. the other nine seasons. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the show with Amy Adams where she was like all cut up all over her body? She had like she was like a cutter. Oh, yes. Like, yes. No, Patty uh, Clarkson. Based on that Gillian sharp object. Yes, sharp yes, object. Sharp object. You guys, are you ready for this? I never watched the finale. I watched the whole series and I never watched the last episode. That is so weird. So I don't, don't know why. No. The point, don't make me get mad at you. The point of it is the I mystery know. and you don't I know what the mystery is. Well, I kind of felt like I did know and then <laughs> after I missed the finale and then it had been like a couple weeks and I was like, am I going to dive back into that dark shit again? I don't know if well, I'm going okay. to. No, and so I then I that. And so then I just asked my best friend, Emily, I was like, oh, was it this that I thought it was? And she's like, well, yeah, almost, oh, like that's almost exactly, but this person was involved too. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, cool. That's, okay. <laughs> maybe See, that's this is where ADD I have thing. to admit that I am the kind of person who never sees the twist coming. Never. Oh. Never. In a, I, this is one of my favorite anecdotes. When I saw The Sixth Sense. I was about to talk about The Sixth Sense. I can't wait. I yes, continue. was the one person in the theater when like the big reveal happens who was like, what? No, no. <laughs> my friend Sarah was like, <laughs> was like, he didn't change his sweater the whole time. And I <laughs> flabbergasted. I was like, oh my God. Never occurred to me. Not even I don't, one time. It's annoying to me that I see the twists so easily mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. do, I do feel annoyed by it. Like, yeah. I want something to be... Yeah, it, But then I don't really watch that many shows and movies that are thrillers mm-hmm. at this point. But that is I, ADD behavior to guess the ending of something. Is it? Yes. Oh, yes. do you oh. have, do you have? Yes. Samantha. It, well, uh, Samantha, I think Look that at me. I'm, uh, I think me. that I'm learning that I might also have okay. ADD through knowing busy better and better every day. I'm like, really? oh shit, me too. Because me it too. presents differently for women. Yes. Which is why like until literally the last five years, so many women weren't even 
were never diagnosed as children because mm-hmm. they weren't hyperactive. Right. And here's another thing. And I just saw Trevor Noah, like it just like was on my Instagram feed, this little like clip of him doing an interview where he talks about this, which is that my whole life, Samantha, I had low grade depression and anxiety my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I was put on different antidepressants since I was a teen and none of it helped. And like self-loathing and and like low self-esteem and uh, and like kind of just like a low, like a cloud, like a little mm-hmm. cloud that I could never quite shift. And I would go on like Lexapro and I'd be like, eh, I feel a little better, but then it just would stop. When I got on fucking ADD medicine, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't hate myself. I'm not a fucking idiot. And I am not depressed at all. Wow. And I have so much less anxiety. Now I just have anxiety about things like my kids getting shot at school, like mm. which is like normal. I'm having like yeah. normal reactions yeah. to the yeah. world. But... um. But truly, because they just fucking, you know, more people are, they've done more research now and they've seen how it presents. Did you see a new psychiatrist or doctor or did you like figure it out? Well, my my then 10-year-old, it was Birdie, my older kid, was, we had like a neuropsych eval done for Birdie because of just like some... I don't know, like behavioral and learning things. And like, we just wanted to figure out what was happening kind of. Mm -hmm. And basically they're like, oh yeah, well the kid has ADD, like ADHD, you know, whatever. And I was like, wait, what? And so then the psychiatrist that we were, the child psychiatrist that we were seeing at the time, like laid it all out for me. And I was like, but I do that. But that's what I, (laughs) that's how I process things. But that's, that's how it works for me. Wait, what? What? And he was like, you should probably go see a psychiatrist and talk to them about this. And I remember, this is another thing that's like fucking nuts. I remember in my 20s having that feeling that I knew that's what was going on with me. But because there was like this whole thing with actresses getting really skinny from taking Adderall, Mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone to think that I was trying to just take a drug to get skinny, taking Adderall, so I wouldn't bring it up with my psychiatrists that I was seeing because I was, like, afraid they were going to... It's so messed up in my Mm -hmm. brain now that I'm, like, in retrospect (laughs) thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Because I could have brought it up a long time ago. But it, it makes sense... It makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's like if I became diabetic and needed Ozempic, I don't know that I'd tell anyone because I wouldn't want them to think that I was just like trying to get weight off as fast as I could. It's like the stigma surrounding. Yes, I know what you're saying. Yes. Surrounding things that you don't even do, but you actually like would need for your life. But because somebody already fucked up the reputation of the thing, now you're like, oh, I don't. Okay, no, not for me. Right. And it's like that you're you're you only hurt yourself. But I get it. I get it for real. But interestingly, it's all just stuff that's like around shaming women for health things, Mm -hmm. by the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it, I not like list, to bring up. Not listening. Not listening, <laughs> not listening to women. Not listening to women for our whole entire lives. And then finally hearing one thing that we say and being like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you suck so bad. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I've I've dreamed of being heard and now I've been heard one <laughs> and time. And now that you can hear me, I wish I didn't have a voice. <laughs> oh my gosh. I Samantha, next time a movie comes out that has a twist, I 100 percent want to go see it with you because I want to see that. I want to see that magic. I'll fly we'll I'll fly. I was busy. gonna say I'll fly to Michigan because I love oh. the Midwest. Oh great. Anytime. I spend uh, as much time as I can in the Midwest. Any time. Wait, Busy, how do you feel about spoilers since you already figure it out? Do you no, not mind care. them? No, I don't care at all. I don't mind a spoiler either. And sometimes even if I know the twist, I'll be delighted to see <laughs> Right? I'll be it's like when, um, have you ever like hid somewhere to scare someone and you scare yourself as much as you scare the person? And that's like, a, that's the same thing. The same thing. Yeah. I also, didn't... when I worked at Watch What Happens Live, we would have to watch things ahead of time. Oh, and sure. one of my colleagues would, um, she, she didn't care about spoilers for everything, but she cared about Top Chef spoilers. Mm, like, because that. she watched it with, but like one time I was like, someone said like a, like who won Top Chef or whatever out loud in the office. And she got really upset. And um, I was like, hey, this is our job and you have to grow up. <laughs> and it felt so good. It was the first time I ever said that to someone and it felt so good. And I was like, I am not the person who's in any position to tell anyone to grow up, but I felt so fucking powerful that day. But I also kind of am with you on that one a little bit. Like, yeah, this is your yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens if you know beforehand? Like, yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing. Nothing happens to nothing. your life. Nothing. It's fine. It's fine. No. You are still okay. No, anyway. my ex-husband, if I would accidentally or if somebody would accidentally ruin the Lakers score for him, if he was like <laughs> somewhere and couldn't watch it live and would, had it recorded to come home. But if somebody accidentally ruined it for him, he's like, well, I'm not going to watch it now. Like, uh, what? No. Why won't you? Don't you want to see your guys do their thing that you love that they do? <laughs> Isn't that what it's about? You and your guys? I guess not. I don't oh know. my God. That is hilarious. I that know. is so funny. Sam, I could talk to you literally Me too. All I was just thinking. Day. Oh, I want to keep you so here great. for hours. Wait, before we let you go, yes. I just want to ask. I feel like one thing we always ask everybody about who comes on the podcast is to tell us about like a pivot story they've had in their life. I feel like your life has been, and we say this sometimes, but you, it's more true for you than anyone. It's just been a series of pivots because you're a fucking survivor. Yeah. You really are. You know, you just, you've had to survive more than any kid should and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the hits have kept on coming for you in a way that, like, it's one of the reasons why I love you so much. Because, yes, I think, like, joking around about things is like a trauma response and it's how we deal. And we know that because of TikTok. Uh, 
<laughs> That's how I know everything because of TikTok told me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just think that there is something beautiful and graceful in saying like, well, this is like, this is what it is. This is what my life is. And like, I'm still going to enjoy it. And I, I hope I'm not putting words in into your no, mouth. Oh, that, that's so beautifully said. You know, you have to be a psychopath to talk about yourself that way. But hearing <laughs> you say it, I'm like, she's right. <laughs> I just, I think you deserve it. To, you deserve to enjoy it in the way, you know, it's like, um, like I have a really great husband and I'm always really proud to talk about like how great my husband is. Cause I'm like, I fucking deserve that guy. Like I earned mm-hmm. that fucking guy. And I put in a lot of work to get to a place where I could have a life with someone who, like, you know, just treats me the way that he treats me. And then, you know, so I I, I totally just, I love just watching you go. And, um, and thank you. It just, it means a lot to me. And every success that you have, like, I try to appreciate everyone's success. I'd be lying if I said that I actually am able to always achieve that. But every success that you have, I really feel like it's a win for like the good kids, you know? And, um, I love that. It is. And I agree. I love you guys. Let's all get married. Let's well, busy, it. I understand if you're yes. like, not yet. But. No, I'm not. I'm never getting married again. No. No. Well, well, we could all live together, though. Yeah. yeah. We could all, you guys, we could all... I just want a commune. No one is listening to my pleas. It's too late, though. My kids are grown. I want this for the younger people. I yeah. want this for the women who are like, and people who are like deciding to start their lives with other people and yeah. like mm-hmm. maybe have children, maybe not have. To, I want people to start living communally. I just, it yeah. doesn't work. Otherwise, if you are young and listening to this, there's still time for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I also feel like there's something beautiful about a bunch of. 40 and 50 something year old women who are like, oh, it's my turn to make the casserole tonight. I'll make the hot dish for dinner. Oh, yeah. 100%. I'm doing that. No, that's yeah. a given. I just mean like in terms of like raising kids and stuff. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I would have, I don't know what my life would have been like if I had had more, if I had built a different support scaffolding around me. Yeah. I mean, I think. It's a really interesting question. I think Rosie O'Donnell used to talk about it all the time. That's why she like wanted to have daycare for us when, you know, when we worked on the show, because she was like, there's no way that I'm asking you to do what I'm asking you to do every day. And plus like raise your kid and like, it's, it's just not going to work. So we have to, we have to build something, but, um, Back to the pivot. Back to the pivot. (laughs) Sam, I just want to ask you, is there like a pivot story that you can share? It can be sincere. It can be tragic. It can be funny. Just anything that, you know, something where you thought something was going to happen and then, you know. Okay. Here here is a very early pivot. I went to college for a year. And before I knew I was going to drop out over the summer, I went to this bakery, this little bakery on Main Street in downtown Evanston. And I was like, okay, I could like sell cupcakes for two months. And so the day of my interview, 
I was there. There were a few of us interviewing at the same time. And the owner was in the bathroom and her, how he was, I think, four or five months old, little Jack started crying in her office. And I had nannied in high school and babysat and I had nieces and a nephew. So I just went into her office and picked the baby up and like, he stopped crying. You know, it's, I did not do any sorcery, just like <laughs> a bosom for him <laughs> nestled into. And she, her name's Judy. Judy came out of the bathroom and she hired me immediately. I don't even think she knew my name. And long story long, this summer, I thought that I was just going to be like bagging donuts. I spent three or four years working at the bakery. I became the manager. Uh, I probably took care of the baby as much as I bagged up cupcakes. <laughs> and that was uh, like the pivot away from, because I grew up in a, and I'm sure you guys can relate. I grew up, you know, everybody goes to college, right? Like right. it was one of those schools where it's like, um, there are recruiters here. There are people looking at your PSAT scores. You are going to college. Ignore those kids who are learning how to fix cars. You're going to right. college, right? And I think kind of disabusing myself of the notion that I was going to continue to struggle to try to make college happen with no safety net into this is my hourly job. It was like my first real job. This is how I get good at it. Now I'm the boss of it. I think that for me is maybe one of the most important pivots that I didn't even know I was making at the time from I'm going to have some sort of intellectual, you know, life and job to no, you know what? My people punched a clock. <laughs> I will continue to punch a clock. And it was so, it taught me, I, I would not wish being on your own at 18 with dead parents on anyone. But it showed me that I could do it. And a lot of times people are not put in circumstances where they're just like, I have to do this or die. And again, it's not one I want people to have, but I am grateful that I had it and that I survived and thrived even. And thrived. I and mean, thrived. We, we can say you thrived, but also, Samantha, I do want to just say that what you did was follow your instinct and yeah. pick up a baby. Yes. And like that, I think, is like, the key to everything in life, mm -hmm. which is like, if you can hear the voice inside of yourself and saying like, oh, that baby needs to be picked. I'm going to pick up that baby mm -hmm. and shut the other voices up that are like, you can't pick up a lady's baby that you don't know. You're here for a job <laughs> interview. There are five people waiting. Everyone's going to look at you. If you get up and pick up the baby, if you go into that office, you don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Like you were able to just be your like clear. It was the clearest intention. Yeah. Yeah. And purist. And then yeah. look at all the th stuff that came from it. Yeah. Your life. Yeah. I have not stopped trusting myself ever. And I feel like that's a big, 
I don't know how you teach someone that. I guess people just have to say it to you over and over, but like they have trust to see it yourself. Yeah. Just, just be your best advocate and like, and know that you can do it. You know? I love, I love that. I love Me that too. so much. I mean, and you're going to cry. Like we're all going to course, sob our way through taking care of ourselves, but we yeah. can do it. We'll, we will get on the other side of it. You know? Yeah. It's ha- even when you can't see it, you know, like, yes, you yes. know, you're going to get there. Such a pivotal moment for you and probably what enables you to do things the way you're doing them, which mm-hmm. I just, I really admire so much. I'm so excited for everyone to get your new book. It's already a bestseller, but you should go buy a copy for yourself and buy another copy for your friend so that you both can read it and talk about it. (laughs) And then we'll bring them to the commune. Yes. And And every required reading to join the commune. Last year, Um, Casey and I talked about doing a camp, like a, like a old school sleepaway camp for now. I'm, now I'm just moving it to becoming a commune. It's just a commune. (laughs) If we do do the camp though. I'll come. You are coming. Yeah. I will be there. Also, I have to tell you that, I mean, Casey, I've known on the internet for a long time. But Busy, I knew that you were the one for me when I saw the nightgown. I was like, <laughs> this bitch isn't, n- I am a nightgown night wearer. Give me a nightgown. <laughs> and I was like, this is a woman after my own heart. <sighs> What's your favorite kind of nightgown? Um, a two. And when it's hot out. I wear this like kind of jersey one from mm. uh Universal Standard. Oh, right. okay. But then I have a very Mr. Nightgown looking nightgown from Print Fresh. Which yeah, is, they love, have all those beautiful print prints. Fresh. Yes. yes. I have one and it has like the I think the bib placket thing and like it comes all the way oh, down. I love it's it. very little house on the prairie. I love that. Love it. I too. had to like I actually had to get some pajamas when I moved to the East Coast because the winters get tough for me to get the They're right legit. temperature. Mm-hmm. They're legit. Well, because the heat heaters are we it's yeah. all weird, you guys. I don't know. I hear you. I hear you. I, I am crossing my fingers for you to leave New York soon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean light my Handle somebody's gonna be like, is who's sick? And I'm gonna be like, no, it's for busy to get yeah, her out. She's of gotta New go. York. She's gotta go. I think that it's like I I here's what I'm trying to focus on. And I just I think this is a finite amount of time that I'm in New York. And so I'm going to I'm trying this this school year, which is like I always count years in terms of school years, sure. not actual yeah, of course. years. Mm-hmm. This school year for me has been about trying to remember that. And even yesterday when like I had no plans and I literally have no friends, I was like, and it was like a gorgeous day in Manhattan Henge. I was like, you know what? Enjoy it by yourself. And I did until the dead pigeon. And then I just went home. (laughs) Murdered pigeon, maybe. We don't know. Maybe. We don't know. Fucking I don't give, I don't give that, I don't give any type of uh, (laughs) DIY Satanist enough credit to be able to catch a catch and kill a pigeon. I just don't see it. 
be Unless it was like, sweetness. yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that guy was just, and I'm just an, obviously was a guy. I mean, opportunistic. Yeah, oh, come on. An opportunistic weirdo. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Um, Samantha Irby, thank you so much. I did. I actually did get your book for the new book um, for my good friend who's like having some health stuff and is spending a lot of time in the hospital. And I was like, this is going to be oh. a really lovely treat for you because I'm you can a like good hospital companion. You are because you can <laughs> read a chapter, put it down if you need to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, I, my sons love your books as well. They both read that. They do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, like, that's and now and now she's officially over. They the pass edge. through. They pass through my family like typhoid. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Casey. <laughs> Casey. No. Casey, you bitch. Casey, no. <laughs> like typhoid. All right, typhoid. Samantha, go have the rest of your day. We love you. We so much. adore I love you. you. Thank both. you so much for Thank doing this, you. and it's been so fun. And let's hang out in person someday. Yes, I, so I hate going to New York, but I would to see you. I don't like you not having any friends there. How can I fix that? (laughs) It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. You two are perfect. Do you know that? (laughs) I need you to know that. Like, I listen, but it's different, like, seeing you and the faces. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I do think we could get a little bit of like we could milk a little bit Casey if we wanted to put these on uh, YouTube or something you know what I mean maybe we'll see we'll see someday <laughs> I'm always like people want to look come to this thing looking like they rolled out of bed you know so mm-hmm. and my, myself ourselves included, included. <laughs> so yeah so yeah. like to put it on yeah. YouTube or Fuck whatever YouTube. Just, it's just a special treat for those of us who get to Aww. be on the podcast to see your gorgeous face. Samantha thank you so happy to see your face and to talk Me to you in too. person. And I um, love this you both. It's Thank such you. a nice birthday you. treat for me. It's, it's wait, Casey's birthday. Your birthday. Today's my yes. birthday. So I was looking forward to this and it did not disappoint. Well, okay, but I should have sent flowers too. That were really <laughs> like sweetened it. <laughs> well, when you come to LA. Yes, yes, yes. Anytime. I think I'm going to be in LA most of June and July this year. Okay, great. I think perfect. I'm going next week. Oh, good. Good. So you can get happy and not (laughs) see pigeon murder. (laughs) I can't. I mean, freelance Satanist is going to live in my heart forever. That's how I'm saving you in my phone. Same freelance Freelance Satanists. Samantha Arby, thank you so much. I love you. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Samantha, oh my God, I love her so much. Fucking delight. I literally could have talked to her all day. I love talking to her. I was like, should she be the other host of this podcast? Should we we add her in? I'm not kidding. I mean, Samantha, if you're listening to this, just saying. Just saying. You're fun to talk to. Could you imagine? Here, here's what I love about her. She, I love that she's just like I have enough on my plate. I don't need to do this. So, like that could be the answer. So smart. So smart. It's such a good way to live and to be like okay with like what you're working on and not worrying that like you're leaving something on the table or whatever. Like just the thing she said about trusting herself is going to stay with me for a long time. Hundred percent. Because like. I don't know if I, 
I don't know if I always trust myself. This is what I was thinking. I don't know if I always trust myself. I don't even know if I'm like thinking in terms of like having trustable thoughts sometimes. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Of course. Of course. That's like natural, especially if you, you know, grew up in a place where, (laughs) you know, your instincts were questioned or you felt like your version of events didn't line up with other people's recollections of the versions of events. Yes. That's really smart. That's a really good point. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, like, it made me think I need to listen to myself and I need to ask myself, like, what do you think about this? And then trust myself. I think that it is such an important point. Yeah. I think that so many of us have gotten, like, thrown off track in terms of listening to our own first gut instincts. Yeah. And then when we look back on situations or whatever and we're like, you know what I knew? I fucking knew. I knew X. I knew Y. I knew Z. Right. But I talked myself out of it because X, Y, or Z. Right. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. The problem is, truly, is that There's no way to get confirmation that you did the right thing until so much later. Right. If you did the right thing, if by following your instinct, do you know what I mean? Right. You only ever get confirmation that you've done the wrong thing by not listening to your instinct when it doesn't fucking when it goes badly. Yes. Yes. This is what I always say about like. Well, this is what I say as my like role as a pragmatist on TV shows, and this is something that I talked at length with about with Andy Cohen all the time. Is that I felt like sometimes I would be like the school marm or like the Debbie Downer, being like, "Hey, listen, this is." not a thing that I think that we should do on the show. And like, people would always be like, no, it'll be so fun. And I'd be like, you know, but here's why I think this, but there's no glory in winning that argument because if you don't do it, there's still like 10 people still thinking that you should have done it. And all that happens is that everything goes smoothly and okay. Whereas when you lose the argument and you, you're outvoted and you do the thing that you are arguing against, to begin with, and then it goes poorly as you knew it would, then everyone's looking at you like, oh, look, she's so smug. Like, Yeah, she's going to say, I told you so. Everybody hates uh, and I told you so. And I'm like, I'm not saying I told you so. I'm just saying like. I love and I told told you so. I love it so much. (laughs) Fucking love it so much. I I mean, for real though, is there no better feeling (laughs) in the fucking world than when you're like, yeah, guess what? I knew it. That's what I said. Fucking told you so. Like I said. Oh, oh, actually, it's exactly as no one could have known except I did. Except my last email. Per every conversation we've had about this subject since the beginning of this subject came up. And I just want to say, I fucking told you so. But you can't. You can't be that dick. You can't be that person. Can't do it. People hate that person. Can't do it. And I mean, to tell you the truth, like, I don't, you know that I hate to make mistakes and I hate to allow mistakes to have been, this is like, this is not sane. Please know that I know this is not sane. Everybody makes mistakes. 
things happen. And that's part of my journey is trying to like accept that. And like, it's really funny because I think like at Busy Tonight, I really got to like be on that journey and to be like, oh no, this is part of like, we're dealing with mistakes. Like mistakes are being made. We're dealing with them. And this is how we all grow and learn and everything. So I really don't love to be the, I told you so person. I, it makes me feel like, ugh, like I really wish that we weren't in this place right now. I have compassion for you. Uh, I really wish you weren't feeling the way that you're feeling right now. And it could have been avoided. (laughs) But, you know, like I really... If you had listened to me. (laughs) I really do feel like that, but oh my gosh, it's a a rough one. But yeah, I told you so. There's no glory in being the person who was the person who told everyone what... But that... But... Also, on the other hand, the one thing where I do get a little smug is I'm like, listen, I've been doing this shit a long time. And like, presumably you brought me here to benefit from my experience. So maybe trust my experience when I'm sharing it. And like, I'm not doing it just to hear the sound of my own fucking voice. I'm doing it to protect. Yeah, I have a podcast for that. (laughs) Exactly. (sighs) I can hear the sound of my own voice. I just, I'm very protective of the people that I work with, but I think sometimes people don't understand that. And, you know, but I'm like, believe me, if I'm working for you, I I don't want to see you get dragged online or in the papers or whatever. Believe me. Trust me. Trust. But anyway, anyway. What else is going on? I mean, I feel like we've been on a real journey today. What are you doing your best at this week? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Well, I see you doing your best at like just trying to make everything work the way that it's supposed to work. Here's what I'm proud of you for. I am proud of you for looking at your kid, seeing that they're growing up. You're trying to let them grow up. And even though you have all of these feelings that you're managing yourself, you're managing them instead of like relying on your kid Or, you know, like you said, you were watching. You didn't want to make Birdie feel bad at that concert. No, I didn't even text Birdie. I didn't even text Birdie. I was texting Birdie's dad. (laughs) And like... Well, that's okay. That's still his job to get your texts. No, I know. And like, and I was just saying I was so sad. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was hard for me. It was fucking hard. But I didn't text Birdie because I knew... I know, I like, I actually weirdly, even though it was a million years ago, remember what it was like right. to be a teenager and like right. want to be out there on yeah. my own and then have your mom say something that's like, kind of makes you feel shitty because you're like, ugh, I know, okay, I know you wanted to be with me. I'm sorry, I didn't want to be with you. Right. You know, like I knew Birdie wanted to be with her best friend and have their own time and not with me. And like, that is also just, that is fine. That is what you're supposed to do when you grow up. Yeah. (sighs) But it's hard. It's hard, but I see you doing that. And like, that's not the easiest thing. You know what I mean? it's, It's not the easiest thing. And so I'm really proud of you for that because, you know, you could just, you could just be like, Feeling your feelings and putting them all out there, but you're like, you know, you're 
you're being reserved for the sake of your kid. And I'm sure that she doesn't even know it, but you're doing her like a huge favor because you're just letting her do her thing. And like sometimes that's really hard for parents to do, to just let their kid do their thing and become who they're going to become. And, uh, you know, so Bird's really lucky. She's really lucky that that you're thinking like that. That's nice. Thank you. Here's the other thing I want to tell you. Yeah. Here's what I think I'm also doing my best at. Yes. I think that... I think that... I'm doing... I, I actually... I'm going to yes and you a bit, but it's like something else I've been kind of thinking about. I think I am doing my best at conscious parenting in the way that like, I don't know, I haven't read a book about this or whatever, but like even just in talking to Samantha about how she's like, yeah, sometimes I'm like in my head, I have an instinct that's like, oh, do it this way. But then I think like, wait, is this what my dad, like my dad she said something like not nice about her dad or whatever like would have done that psych- he was a psychopath psychopath right <laughs> is this what my psychopathic father would have done no my parents are not psychopaths but i think that i have like taken over the years in my life in my therapy yeah. and whatnot i have taken stock of trauma that has happened to me and taken in the events that led up to that. Yeah. And also, and just really considered how best to be communicative with my kids in a way that's different than how my parents were communicative with me (laughs) about things. And... And in the last week-ish, especially with Birdie, and it's become so clear to me how Mark and my choices about how we talk about things and what we choose to talk about in our home and what kind of questions we ask Birdie specifically and also Cricket now because Cricket's almost 10. Yeah. About the world and about how these systems of oppression are set up and about how we're all sort of participatory within them and also are trying to fight them at the same time and are in innate privilege because of our whiteness. All of this fucking shit, right? Yeah. I am like very, very, very sure (laughs) that Mark and I are doing our best in that way. And when I see other parents and their ability to put on horse blinders and then just say like, it is what it is. Kids are like gonna da da da. This is how it it's like this everywhere. Blah blah blah. I'm like, 
well, thank fucking God, at least I know that Mark and I and some of our friends are parenting similarly. Thank God. Because, holy shit. There are a lot of disengaged people. Yeah, it's And if you're like a parent out there who's listening, who's like, it's hard enough, I have a hard time, I can't. I don't know. I mean, man... I don't know what to say. It's really, it's difficult, right? Because, well, I've said this on the podcast before. I never want to be the person that someone has to heal from. Like, I never want to, I never want to traumatize a person in a way that they have to heal from it. Like, I just don't want, I don't want that. I don't want that. And that's like... I understand it's difficult. Like, life is difficult, and sometimes there are fragile moments and people hurt each other when they don't mean to. Um, I just want to be conscious and aware. I also don't really want to raise a person that people have to heal from. And so I just think I, I totally understand what you're talking about, and I just think that, Yeah, you really, like, raising a kid is a huge responsibility, and sometimes we're just sending them out in the world, and they're just like little wrecking balls, and they're just damaging each other, and you can't really just— And no one is helping pick up the pieces. Right, and you can't really just say, like, that's how it—that's how boys will be boys, and, like, you know, girls go through this. It it just—it can't be. Like, you have to— you have to teach your kid, like, some responsibility for, you know, the, the things that happen. Because, because like, then how are they going to grow up to become, like, accountable adults, you know? And, but I honestly think, I think it's that, that the p- parents with blinders on, I don't think they don't, I don't think they know how to be accountable. I don't think it's a thing that we teach. Like, you know, on my mom on my mom's uh memorial service whale watch boat, we were talking a little bit about it. And you know, like my all my friends from school are squarely Gen X and we were all raised in the same kind of town and like similar socioeconomic statuses and you know, and just talking about that, like we were just one thing that came up was like, did your did your parent ever apologize to you for anything? Like, were you ever apologized to about anything? Right. Anything, whether it was like a physical harm or like an emotional harm or something. And like, everybody kind of had the same answer. Like, not really, not really, you know? And so like, this is, maybe it was just my town. Maybe it was just my, you know, my year of being. No, I think that's highly relatable. I think it's highly relatable. And so, like, now how do we go about being adults that know how to apologize? Like, it's you have to be taught, you know? You have to be taught. And it's something that, like, my kids can apologize, like, can readily apologize, but not always perfectly. And it's something that we're still, like, working on. It's something I'm still working on because it stings to be told, like, you know, you— beefed it on this one. You fucked this one up and like it hurt me. And so sometimes I want to give my reasons like why I fucked it up, 
you know, and or like why the person deserved it or whatever, whatever, you know, but it's like it's something that we're still working on because of like this whole generation that was never taught to like be accountable and to uh, to like r- make something as right as you can when you've made it wrong, when you've broken it. And so, you know, uh, your kids are so lucky. I feel like my kids are lucky. I think the best thing that I've ever done as a parent, the thing I'm most proud of is to like apologize to them when I've like yelled or something uh, when it was out of line or when I've been wrong about something and not like gaslight them about how they're mistaken, that I wasn't wrong at all. Um, And I also am proud of like being honest with them. Like, like sometimes I'm tense because I'm, I'm scared, you know? Right. I mean, I think that that it took me a long time to get there as a person. I spent a lot of years in my like my teen and my 20s. Yeah, not taking, not being able to like take responsibility, you know, or yeah. apologize properly or or just give like a myriad of justifications, some of which tell myself a ton of different stories right. in which I was able to like then justify whatever it was. You know what I right. mean? Right. And I... Look, my kids are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, no, none are, by the way. None. That's that's the fucking truth is that none are, obviously, you know? And uh, and that's okay. Like, I think at the core of it, it's learning to honestly love yourself despite yeah. your imperfections and the fact that like you are going to continue to fuck up, man. Yeah. But like if you can be able to access the the place in yourself where you're like, that's okay, I still love you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I could talk about this for hours. Like to to have the space to fuck up as a kid is amazing. And to, but it doesn't mean pretend that no fucking up happened. You know what I mean? Like, well, yes, I do know what you mean. Right. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's really tricky for parents sometimes because I think what it calls into question for them when their kids fuck up is shame that they somehow are failures, you know, that like, and that, and that like, it leaves like an indelible mark, right? you know? And so right. they, they, it's easier, I think, for some parents to not be able to face the truth and, and hold many different things, right. you know? Right. And I do think that like part of all of my therapy and work that I've done on myself has allowed me the ability to really like hold the, Multiple things can be true at one time. Yeah. And that, like, helps to release shame, guys. Like, that's, like, the best thing that you can help yourself do is understand that at times you will be asked to hold, like, yes and. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, I think one thing that, like, trips people up is, like, okay, so... When a kid 
fuck something up, the right kind of response I feel like in my life has been like, well, you're supposed to fuck up. You're a kid. And so like that was a huge fuck up or that was a medium fuck up or a little fuck up, whatever it was. Like, yeah, this is like a safe spot, a safe space. You have the the space to mess up and you're expected mm. to mess up. And then here's my part in it as a parent is to help you figure out how to make amends and how to make it as right as possible. And knowing, understanding that sometimes it's not possible to make something 100% unbroken, 100% right again, but you just, it's your duty to do the best you can. But I think people sometimes then trip up because like as a parent, you have shame where you're like, oh, fuck, I did this wrong thing that allowed my kid to screw up. And then so, like, the best thing is to just pretend it's not happening at all and deny it or blame some other kid. Because this is what, like, always happens with kids, too, is, like, uh, kids are very intersectional and interactive. And so things that happen with kids, it always, like, it spreads out. It's a little web, right, of of kids that were involved and kids that it touched or affected or whatever, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but, um, but yeah, I mean that I, I totally get where you're, where you're coming from. And, and yeah, I think like, it's, it's just a huge responsibility to like teach our kids that like everything they're doing has an impact on society, you know, and that their school is like a little society and, you know, but it's hard because I think we have a lot of grownups walking around who might not know the first thing about taking accountability or making amends or apologizing. And a bunch of grownups who are like, I don't have any issue with the status quo because it like totally serves serves me and my lifestyle. Right, right. Yeah. And so they're like, well, I don't know. It seems fine to me. And also like the hope is always that someone's going to learn someday. Like they always say, like those chickens are going to come home to roost. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's always the case, but you know, God help the kid that never learned how to take accountability for anything when they mess up something really big. uh, When, you know, when there's really big consequences for it and they've never learned anything about consequences. I don't know. I've had a rough fucking week. Yeah, what I know. What yeah. uh, have you been doing your best at this week? I mean, we came home very late last night from Cape Cod. Uh, Eli, Matt, and I had stayed behind. Lincoln came back because he had to work, and he was watching our dogs, and um, and so we were just still just doing the work of like packing up my mom's life and like deciding like where pieces we're supposed to go. And it was really, it was interesting, you know, and I think I've alluded a little bit to like the hoarding. Um, and like, in some ways it was fun and, you know, like good memories in some ways it was really sad. And I just, you know, 32 insurance cards, you know, like, 32 insurance cards stashed through. I don't I don't I don't think I've had 32 insurance cards in my life. I don't even know why 
I was like, was she losing? Was she misplacing? Just things, you know? And um, and there were things that I was like hoping to find in that place that I mm-hmm. that we definitely did find. And then there were things that I was hoping would be there that weren't there at all. And everything she had was there, you know? Mm-hmm. Not, like we went through every single thing that she had and it was all there. So like a thing that I was hoping to find wasn't there. It's just not there. And I don't know what happened to it. I don't know why it wasn't there. And I just have to like live with that, you know? Yeah. And I just have to be like, it's just a thing. Like, even though it was a precious thing that I was hoping to have, you know, it was like a thing that was in my mind um, to take back with me. It's just not there. And so I'm like, maybe she gave it to someone who really loved it. Maybe, I don't know. I hope it didn't break. I'll tell you what it is. It was... My mom used to do ceramics, and in Mm -hmm. the 1970s, she made this very elaborate nativity scene that was all, you know, the wise men and the animals and baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and it was really beautiful, and it was beautifully painted, and um, I loved setting it up when I was a little kid, and I was always so careful with it, and there came a time when she just became like, you know, as you get older, like I think, and your kids grow up holiday has become smaller for you. Uh, And so she didn't, she wasn't putting it out, I think probably because my kids were little and they would like do Lord knows what with it. Or maybe Mm -hmm. she was just sick of looking at it. I don't know. I don't know. But I was like kind of looking forward to bringing that home and it just wasn't there. So I just, I don't know. And it's weird because like I'm not religious at all, like I make it a point of telling people how not religious I am, but that's just a thing that I would have liked to have had. And I hope she gave it to someone who loves it and puts it out every Christmas. I hope, I hope, Um, but I just don't know. And I probably will never know unless someone reaches out to me to tell me that they have it. And if they have it, enjoy it. Like if she wanted you to have it, I was just kind of bummed that we didn't find it. But also there's not a fucking thing you can do about it, you know? Yeah. And also, I don't know. Weirdly, maybe it'll turn up. Maybe. I don't, I mean, I don't see how it would, but, you you know. just don't know. Who knows? Who knows? And also, it's just a thing. And honestly, it's just a thing to get stressed out about, like, where it's going to go when we die and whether we'll be the ones to break it, you know? One time, I think I might have talked about this on the podcast, but one time I was carrying a box of, like, my family's Christmas ornaments, like the, just the ones that my grandmother had had since like the 50s, these glass ornaments oh that they were vintage and beautiful. And I tripped yeah. and dropped the box and they all smashed. And I was devastated. I just was devastated that they had like survived so long yeah. and I was the person to break them. And my mom was like, it's not a big deal. Like, she was trying to tell me, like, these weren't my childhood ornaments. These are ones that, like, came along later. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's not a big deal. But it was such a big deal to me because they had been in existence my whole life, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway. Anyway, now I'm obsessed with vintage <laughs> Christmas ornaments. And that's how I, I have handle some. that. Yeah, yeah, I have some. <laughs> that's how I handle that trauma is by, you know, trying to replace the irreplaceable. Um, but also, 
I know that I keep saying this, but it is just stuff. And it's, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And I think I learned a really important lesson over the past couple of weeks about like it's fun to have stuff, but you can't let it like choke out your life, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't like you just can't keep everything. And you know, I think I've been pretty good about that. I think I've been pretty good about like sometimes it's fun just to look at something or have it open in your browser or pick it up and hold it, but like I don't need to hold on to everything forever. I don't need to own everything. I have more than enough and, you know, and so, yeah, I think um, I will probably go through my house with like a very sharp editing eye and, and even like pare back what I have in here and like what I have in this house is more than enough, you know? Um, so, well, you can add yeah. it to store for the stars. <laughs> I can add it to store for the stars. That will be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And also shout out to Lincoln who, when we got home last night, had dinner waiting for all of us. It was very sweet and also had, you know, gotten sushi for him and his brother. He was, he was a good little bachelor. Why, why are you? He's the best. He's the best. I'm never surprised. They're always delighted (laughs) by how great he is. Like that. Yeah. They're both just sweet like that. And they, they're, he's a real caretaker. Like I'm sure Cricket is as well. I think like when you were saying that Cricket didn't want to admit that she wanted to go to Taylor Swift because it was more important to Birdie. I was thinking that's like a classic Lincoln. That's what he would do too. So, you know, of course. Yeah. So as soon as, Cricket gets like a DoorDash account. I'm sure she'll order you food when you come home from a trip as well. (laughs) I can't. I can't take how big Cricket is. I know. I know. So big, but then also just a baby. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, guys, here we are. It's been a journey. A real fucking journey. And we're, we're here on the other side of it for the moment being... Yeah. And I think I might be in LA next week. Next time we talk, I don't know. That's exciting. I think so. I don't know. I have a lot to do. I got to get through this like procedure thing on Friday. Right. I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. And well, keep me know. posted on everything and uh and will in turn keep you posted, but I'm excited to see you. I know. I'm excited to be back um in Los Angeles for a bit and figure out what the fuck I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> I don't know. All Samantha's right. right. I mean, I just need to be somewhere where I have a little bit more, some more friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand real? that. Can I be I real? Know. Yeah, you can be real. You I need some real. more friends, guys. Because <laughs> also yesterday I was like walking around and I'm like, oh, God damn it. I like am so sick of like texting people to yeah. see if they want to like, you know, if somebody, like I just would like more people that think of me. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's what I'm looking for. I know what you mean. And I will say that that is something that I have noticed a huge difference in and like not to make sweeping generalizations. It's just really, I don't know. I never had a social life on the East Coast. I never did. I never, I had friends, but. Like people inviting you out to do things or go to dinner or whatever. Yeah. The only time I ever did anything was when 
people from out of town would came come into town. town. Yes. I, yes. Yes. That is fucking weird. I and know. everybody else was just so, I, I always in just their chalked own. it up to being mm-hmm. like very ground down and exhausted and, you know, not being able to imagine heading out back into the city to do something with someone. I know? think that's probably right. I actually yeah. think that's probably right. Yeah. Well, it's a right. lot. But in LA, like social life, more yeah, than the I invitations, could. free flowing. Yes, yes. So, and we, I've been able to invite people places, which is like amazing because, like, that's something that I've always dreamed of doing. And then have people come. It's, it's a dream come true for me. So I get it. I don't think you're, I don't think you're projecting something imaginary on New York City. I think it's real. I think it's hard for people to, to be friends and support each other there for whatever reason. Yeah, it's just all like a lot. It's a lot. It's yeah. all a lot all yeah. the time. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, um, I can't wait to have you here on the West Coast, but I know you have a lot going on uh, while you're here and also before you get here. So I'm here. We'll talk if you, soon. If you need me. And guys, we love you so much and we'll talk to you we soon love as you guys. well. Yeah, have a good one. Bye. 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 Oh, no.